Mac Power Users, Episode 91, Workflows with Merlin Mann. Hello, everyone. We're back here for Mac Power Users Workflow Show with one of my very favorite people in the world, Merlin. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming, Merlin. It's always a pleasure to have you. I think we've made this an annual thing now. Yeah, I think I think too much more would probably be, a, you know, too much. But it's it's always an honor to be here, and uh, I, I always enjoy it. And people come come to expect it. They ask us. There's like, is isn't it about time for Merlin? When when's Merlin coming back? Isn't it about time? I think it's like Christmas in Las Vegas, where you think it's a really good idea, but you know, thank God it's only once a year. <laughs> well, I think I want to go home, and it's too many ringing noises. I think it's great. I, I've really enjoyed listening to the stuff you've been doing with Dan over in Five by Five with the uh, Back to Work podcast. It's just fantastic. I, thank I keep you, gushing over, but I just think it's a great show. And then you guys have got you. you you're back on. Look, you look nice today. That's running again, which is awesome. On the uh, second of every month, right? Yeah, we call it dropping it on the deuce, and uh, yeah, we already got a new one on deck uh, for next uh, next time, and it's so fun to do that again. I really missed doing it because I think I, I love I love both the guys, but uh, you know, I just Scott Scott Simpson kills me. There's something about his sense of humor that just slays me. So thank you for saying that. It's really fun. Yeah, I, I'm doing like different podcasts now. It's really you're weird. a broadcaster. It, you know, the last show you did uh, on Disneyland, I uh, I really enjoyed that. I was a Jungle Cruise skipper for four <laughs> years, so. I could tell you stories, man. <laughs> We've talked about that and what an art form it is. And everybody gets their own. Um, so you start with something basic, but then you develop it over time. And you learn which jokes kill and so oh, forth, yeah, right? Totally. It was the best training you could get for jury trial work. Honestly, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's, it's just great because you're out there with people and you got to really see what works and what doesn't. Have you ever shot a hippopotamus in a jury trial? I've thought about it. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. You know, they've made it a lot harder now to, to bring a large hunting rifle um, into the courtroom, which is really a they shame. Have. You know, I, I'm not saying you should use it, but it's, it's, it's nice to know that it's there. Yeah. And I think, you know, it should be like the Old West. Everybody's got one. It keeps you honest. They have the well in the courtroom. That's the distance between the judge and the attorney. That uh, has to be longer than a sword length. That's, that? pro- that's probably a good idea. They're so out of date. Now, what about a sword cane? Can you bring a sword cane? Th- what if they don't know that it's a weapon? Yeah, they'd know now. You've got to go through... Uh, airport-style security anymore to get into a courtroom. Did they search, they search your shoes? Uh, no, not yet, but now yeah. they may. You hmm. know, in, in my uh, courthouse, they make you take off your belt. <laughs> it's quite offensive. Yeah. That's, that's, anyway. that's so undignified. <laughs> and we should, we should do a whole show about travel. Basically, everything I do ends up being about travel. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a completely undignified experience. I, I just had a... I was in the airport just last week. was up in Seattle. There was this old man... Probably, you know, in his early 70s, and he had to go through that porno scanner. Mm. And, uh, you know, they told him to put his hands up in the air, and he didn't hear them. And then the man yelled at him, put your hands up in the air. It sounded like he was getting ready to, you know, cuff him. It, it made me so angry. It just so, I don't even know where to start. But uh, anyway, uh, you also have Roderick on the line going now, which is an excellent <laughs> podcast. You're so sweet to mention my shows. You totally don't have to do no, that. No, but I, I listen it, to them all, you know, I'm... Well, you know what? I got to tell you, David Sparks, D Sparks. I, I blame you, Jacques. You're the one. You're the one who put that that bee in my bonnet about. Be, well, I'm exaggerating here, but you said something along the lines that you thought that some of the better things I had to say uh, were extemporaneous rather than written, and that's why I think why I don't write anymore. So thank you. Well, I'll take full credit then. 
because I yeah, that writing that writing business. I don't know if you guys know this. That writing business is very time consuming. That's what I hear. Yeah, I don't really know, but that's- it's it's easy it's easy enough to you know to to, to do uh, do an I thoughts, but the, you know then you're you got to polish it and spell check it and whatnot. And I got a lot of problems with autocorrection. So you know until they have that for speaking, I think I'm good. Yeah. Well, I I think what you're doing is great. So please keep <laughs> doing it. I will never get sick of gushing. I mean, I'm I, I I hope I'm not as arrogant as I seem a lot of the time. Um, but it, it really, it means, it sounds so nerdy and dumb and blah, but like, it just means so much to me when people say things like that, you know, with back to work, we get a lot of really, really, really nice email from people. And at something like WWDC, it's really nice to run into people who are, I consider personal heroes and just the fact that they knew you exist. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's really cool. It's really cool. Like to know who listens to these podcasts, like people whose records I own. It's, that's not a humble brag. I'm serious. It's like, it's scary and fun. And you go like, this is, that's why this is good. And it does make you try harder to know that those folks are out there. I got a, I, well, we experienced that a little bit this I'm year. Sure, you guys, are, you guys Rob are. Rob Cordery. Rob Cordery came to MacWorld to come see us. Do you I'm know not, how I'm cool that was? I'm not familiar with his work. Is that the clown guy? You don't guy? know who he is. Uh, he, no. He's a little freaky. He's a clown, hmm. and um, he, he's a little terrifying. Is he a hairless man? He is a hairless man. Okay, I'm gonna capture that. You, you got me free lunch. I, uh, I had a, an attorney friend who's completely non-nerdy, and he was. We were talking, and he was having trouble figuring out what he's doing with his life. And I turned him on your podcast. <laughs> he took me out to lunch the other day. He says, man, this really kind of helps me get things figured out. I like that you ask really tough questions. You don't always answer them, but you ask good questions. Wait, what are, you, are you talking about Mac? Back to, I'm, back I'm, to I'm work. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, we ask hard questions of ourselves? Yeah, everybody, really. I think there's a running, there's a kind of a, what's become sort of a running bit. Believe it or not, we have a few running bits on, on back to work. And I think one of them, I guess this is, it's been, a, it started as a you look nice today joke, but the, <laughs> I, I find myself saying whatever it is we're talking about, like uh, creative work. Well, yeah, you know, well, creative work is complicated. And I think if you had to summarize back to work, it's that everything is complicated. Partly because I'm a contrarian, you know, and uh, I mean, to, to the point of your show, which I, I think I've derailed already. Uh, Okay. I, I have such a conflicted relationship with, with the tool stuff. And I feel like with you guys, this is like, like my, my vacation. I'm so, um, I, I feel I, as, as a former, um, blogger, blogger of, of productivity, I feel this culpability in, in the, um, fetishization of, I don't know if you can fetishize porn. I'm sure there's some relationship, but the fetishization of, of productivity porn and the way that it's become such a thing now where you get this site, David, you and I have talked frankly about this with some sites that have begun to drive me crazy. And, you know, it's, so I always feel really conflicted about talking too much about the tool stuff. And in fact, if I say something on Tumblr, people are like trying to figure out what the joke is about it. <laughs> but, you know, I mentioned something yesterday that's like in three days of use is already changing my game. And I don't have a place to share that. And, you know, uh, it's nice. It's really nice to come. I'm sorry. We can end the butt kissing at this point, I guess. But it really is awesome to um, be able to come on here and talk about that. Because as is evidenced by my rambling on the, what, two previous times we've done this? Yeah. I've got a lot to say. I just, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've set a high bar for myself in terms of avoiding the productivity stuff. But I've got so much. So, Well, you've got some great stuff. So let's just get started. And what we were thinking is going over the past two shows, we spent a lot of time talking about the Mac. I thought it'd be fun to start this year with the iOS and just talk about some of the things you're you're doing these days on your iPhone and your iPad. Is that is that an Android thing? What, you're using Android, right? No, it's a Surface tablet. You may have seen it's got some vents on the back and some clicky things. I think I heard about that. Yeah, and, and you, do you, you touch it with what a finger? Is that how that works? Right, and it's gasoline. God, that powered. sounds fantastic. And are you kidding me? That's terrific. You can get gasoline almost anywhere. Yeah. 
exactly. Huh. I'll be darned. Yeah, I would love to talk about that. Um, uh, you know what? Don't want the butt kissing, but no, you're the guy. The stuff you've done on uh, iOS and iPad, obviously, David, has been really super useful. It makes me want to use it more. Like I mentioned before, we were rolling rolling tape. I, I I'm considering popping for an iPad three just because I have started to use it more for certain things. I tried, and you've got you've got the two now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I forget. Okay. I said this to. I think I said this on our show. Um, smile. Uh, you know, whose name changes, I think, every six weeks or so. Um, I was talking about how I use Text Expander, and the compliment, I, I hope this is a compliment, but in the case of Text Expander, especially things I got to say like OmniFocus. OmniFocus is a terrific example of an app where I'm more inclined to use it on one device than another based on what I'm going to do, which sounds like a left handed compliment, but I hope it's not. Because unlike a lot of stuff where they go, well, how do we take the desktop experience and, you know, jam it onto a phone, um, I'm, I'm really impressed by an app that is optimized for that device. So, right. you know, I'm on, my, I'm on my Mac a lot of the day because I'm 45, but then I do a lot of things. I'm probably 80, probably 80, 20 or 90, 10 iPhone to, uh, to iPad. But there's certain kinds of things. If, if I want to, I mean, I have so many contexts for like errands and out and about stuff because the, to me, I can't live without that location stuff on um, OmniFocus. I mean, I'm a big set it and forget it guy. So I love that it'll just ding me when I'm near a thing I need to do. I, I just, I just, and I, and it's become part of my, as you say, workflow because if I, I, I know that when I go to Walgreens, which I go to apparently all the time, I know, I know I should hit the OmniFocus, hit map, and it'll tell me everything I need from there. Have we ever talked about my contacts and OmniFocus? No, I don't think we have. Oh man, I I would love to talk about that if there's time. But in the, in the case of um, I, I'm not great about reviews and GTD stuff, but in Omni OmniFocus is absolutely where I'm going to go to review. I mean, and again, I hope it's not a left-handed compliment, but you're you're not going to find a better way to do reviews on on a device than with um, OmniFocus for the iPad. So bigger pattern. I think it's really nice that you're seeing apps where they are making two separate versions that do two separate kinds of things. And, you know, there's now these writing apps that are coming out just for the iPad, as, as you know, um, because they couldn't make a version of what they're trying to do for the iPhone, probably. Do you know? Like, I don't know if Textastic is ever going to come to the iPhone because, it, you know, or I guess you can use Writing Kit on, on uh, iPhone, but there's some of them where that big screen, you know, people are utilizing that. And the touch capabilities, uh, I think, are utilizing it really well. I think it's, I think it's a really exciting time yeah. for, for for iOS. It seems to me like the Omni Group, in particular, has done a really good job of looking at the platform of the iOS, both the iPad and the iPhone, and said, "Okay, how do we interpret what we've made on the iPhone here?" They're they're not looking to duplicate; they really are interpreting it. And I think Omni Grapple is a good example on the iPad, and and Omni Focus on the iPad. I actually prefer to Omni Focus on the Mac. I think I might too. I mean, obviously OS ten. The, the the wrinkle is that as it stands right now, there are some things you can only do on uh, OS ten, and other things, oddly enough, that you can only do on iOS. So, to my knowledge, you can only create perspectives on OS ten. Correct me if I'm getting any of this oh, that's wrong. Right. You can only mm-hmm. create perspectives on OS ten. You can only view uh, project based perspectives on OS ten. They, they, I don't think they currently have a way to do that, which is a little frustrating sometimes. But I mean, when I'm on the go, I mostly need context-based. Now, forgive me if this is all, you know, pops and buzzes to folks who haven't used OmniFocus. But the other thing is then if you want to add location functionality, which, God, people have got to learn to use this in OmniFocus because it's giant. 
um, and, and when we talk about, if we talk about context, we should, which we, we should do. Um, the way I use context is so bananas and so great and it has helped me so much on, uh, on iOS. But you know, you can't add location. You guys know this, right? You can't add a location to a context on OS 10. You've got to do it on iOS, which I think is really interesting. I don't know that there are any rules. Do you want to talk about context now? Yeah. I don't want to jump ahead. It's your show. No, let's do it. It's your show, man. Don't. Are you cussing with me? Okay, Sorry, I just watched The Fantastic Mr. Fox a million times. <laughs> uh, I, w- I would love to talk about it. And, and the reason I mention it, I'm sorry I'm talking too much, aren't I? No, this is great. Yeah. Well, should we start over? No, man, we're rolling. Good week. I, uh, I, I used to, so when I first started doing GTD, the whole reason I came, well, I, I struggled. In the early days of 43 folders, I would rant and rave about the lack of a, a good Mac app for doing a GTD-like approach. And, and you know, we don't have time to go into what GTD is, but but one way to understand it, and forgive me if you guys in the audience already know this a, a million times, but to me, one of the the crux of GTD from a tech standpoint is the ability to see your work by project, which could be thought of to view your work by the outcomes that you want, but at the same time to also be able to flip over to see your work by what kind of tools you have available. So there are some times where it doesn't matter how quote-unquote high priority a project is, what you're on a plane. So <laughs> you're kind of stuck doing stuff that you can do on a plane. And what makes GTD... Not going to be making any phone calls. Yeah, like I say, if, if that's absolutely right, Katie. If, if Regardless of whether mowing your lawn is the most important thing in the world, stressing about it on a plane is, is no fun. And once you give yourself over to that initially difficult thing in GTD of putting your head around that... Uh, you actually have a lot more of, as David Allen says, mind like water <laughs> because you know to write it down when you think of it. You know to put it in the right place. You know to review it to find if it's still alive. But um, that that was the frustration for me. So at first, you know, you get in and then I would have a million contacts for different things. One wall that I ran into, and I, I continue to regard this as a wall in GTD, is overdoing what I would call creative context. So I used to have stuff like brainstorm and whiteboard and index card and you know, and it was like, well, you know, brainstorming is not in the world of GTD is not really a context because you know you you should be able to envision exactly what you'd be doing when you're brainstorming. And in my case, brainstorming probably means um, really uh, writing. I would call that writing. So anywhere that I can write, I can brainstorm. But if I call that, I can't believe how many times in the past I've put a task under brainstorming and it sits there and bugs me because I didn't get specific enough. Specific enough with respect to the context or specific with respect to the task? Well, if I want to brainstorm, for me, that could be typing in bullets in nebulous notes. It could be typing in bullets in TextMate. It could be my beloved index cards. It could be iThoughts. Okay, so which is it? Uh, I don't know, next task. So, for example, I, I might say, uh, one trick I do is when I create a task, uh, this sounds silly and duplicative, uh, but, but I will say something like, I thoughts, colon, uh, brainstorm, uh, five ideas for topics for back to work, even though I'm not allowed to, you know, plan anymore, according to Dan, it's his show. Uh, but, but in that instance, and I will give that a context of, usually in that instance, I will, I will give it that context of iPhone or iPad, um, because that's the availability of that. You know what I mean? If I if I've thought that really thought that task through like a like a like an adult, I should be able to envision myself doing that. So in that case, I mean, I'm going to do that in bullets. So I, I could also just call it writing. But you know, there's, it's a weird little trick of uh, like Ethan Schoonover used to say: you should write out your tasks, regardless of how you do it. Write out your tasks as though as 
I'm paraphrasing him here, but write out your task as though you're explaining it to somebody who's really smart, but only kind of understands what you do for a living. And this will save you so much aggravation. Um, Because even if you've gotten really good at GTD and you've started capturing stuff and reviewing stuff, you're still going to feel a tiny bit of resistance if you see a task that says um, clean up office. Because you should, I mean, to me, that's a project. And then you start saying, well, you know, uh, in my case, uh, you know, clean out bathroom. Well, that's pretty specific. Do I have the tools that I need for that? No, you know what? Actually, I need some giant garbage bags. So, okay, get giant garbage bags. Well, where do I get giant garbage bags? That goes into the context drugstore. And this is where it gets bananas. But it's, I swear to God, this works. So, so to finish that one thread, I, I've gone from, I now have very, very few contexts that have anything to do with creative work. Because I've started to really regard all this productivity nonsense as a way of clearing off the desk. I, I, you know, giving myself, I really learned this when I was writing the abortive book. And, and I would say, write, say, write 5,000 words. And it's like, no, like, I can't, that's not where that goes. I, I, in, in a, and I started to keep beating on GTD or, or like, you know, bringing it up. But like, if I'm doing GTD or a similar system well, I should know what I do. And I know I need to write. And having that inside a system where it's kind of pointing its finger at me all day long is not useful. But at the same time, as I've reduced the number of those contexts, I have gone completely crazy on the number of location-based contexts, specifically because of OmniFocus on iOS. And, and frankly, I'm, I'm, my mind is boggled that there are not more apps that leverage this because, like I say, uh, it's changed my game. So, for example, uh, may I continue? Yeah, please, please. Here's, here's a, uh, what I think is a great example. Um, and, and follow me on this because I know it sounds fiddly, but I swear to God, this works so well. Okay, I need to buy garbage bags. Where can I buy garbage bags? Well, the the most specific place that I could probably pick up garbage bags is our local Walgreens. But I could really buy garbage bags at any drugstore, right? So if I got to p- pick up a prescription, I have a context under San Francisco called uh, my Walgreens. Actually, technically, it's under a context called the hood. <laughs> so I can click on the hood, my neighborhood, and see everything that I can only do in my neighborhood, right? So think of the cascade of location. And in the other instance, I can go to any, it's not just my Walgreens where I can pick up garbage bags. It's basically any drugstore. Well, wait a minute, though. What if I go to the grocery store? Don't they have garbage bags too? Well, every grocery store I go to has everything that a drugstore has. So drugstore is a subset of, of groceries, which sounds crazy, but now I go and I not only does this work terrifically well for hitting the map setting to show my tasks, but now I get a cascade of all the things that I could do underneath that. Now, now, does that sound fiddly? Yes. But the point is, I know exactly where that goes, and then when it's time to do it, I don't have to sit there and look at 60 different contexts. Yeah. It all just pops up and says, well, you're in Safeway, dummy, so you can get all this drugstore stuff too. And uh, if you're interested in this, I can tell you more because this I've got a I've got a bunch of tricks for doing this that have worked out great for me. Okay, and so just let's step back for a minute. So the the, the goal of this is you put your trash bags in your drugstore context, and that way, whenever and it's location aware. Not only is the drugstore location aware of your local drugstore, but it's also aware of your local supermarket because that is it's a subset yes. of that. You're so, you're so good at this, David. You're so good at, at, at explaining, explaining to people what I just explained. Because otherwise, so it would trash be bags goes under drugstore, which goes under supermarket. So when yeah. you walk in, when okay. you when you're location aware to a supermarket or a drugstore that you have previously told your iPhone this is a supermarket or this is a drugstore, you will get the notice. 
That's correct. That's correct. And but but here's the other thing. And this is again, I apologize if this sounds fiddly, but it works. So at the high, I'm just forgive me. I've just opened up OmniFocus to make this clear. Yes, absolutely. So I have a context at the top level of my context area called errands. Easy enough, right? Yeah. Now sure. inside of errands, I've got stuff like, um, I I used to have a context called any A N Y versus San Francisco, but now at the top level, I've got stuff like. Bookstore, Apple Store, Ikea, Costco, REI, Travel, Hotel, Airport, Seattle. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but you know, if there's no, if there's no tasks under those, I never see them. Do you know? It's, it's like a, it's a, it's a terrifically useful filing system. So I can go to any gas station that has gas, like for my Microsoft Surface or, or my car. Okay. I can go to any one of those. I can go to any toy store in the world, pretty much, to buy an, like an Iron Man mask for my kid. Or yourself. Here's, or, well, you know what? It's true. I, I'm actually a lot of X-Men stuff lately. Yeah. Um, but check it out then. So that I can go to any ATM to get money. But then I got one called SF, San Francisco. And under San Francisco, I have different neighborhoods where I tend to do stuff. So including my own neighborhood. Now, why would I do that? Well, in my neighborhood, um, if I want to go to my post office box – I can go I can go to any post office in the world. So I have one called Post Office Any, which is like I can go to any post office in the world to, to buy stamps or, you know, ship something. But I need to go to my post office box in order to, to pick stuff up. Do you, you, you follow? And so any of the local and, stuff, my yeah. Bank of America is where I would go to like whatever, cash a check. I, my, Brown Owl Coffee is where I would go to buy my beans uh, and so forth. Other uh, places I get my haircut. I get a reminder every six weeks to go get a haircut. And the context for that then becomes my, the place where I cut my hair. So get my haircut. So I can hit everything in San Francisco or I could say, Hey, I'm out and about. Show me everything in my neighborhood. If I go, uh, if I go uh, see my doctor, I could see everything that I could do in the, in the area of the inner sunset and, and so forth. And, and, and again, what's great about this is you will not see any of this unless there's tasks in it. So, you know, do you follow? So, I mean, like, it's okay to have 60 of these. I have a, I've told you this. I have a context called steak because I want to know where the steak is. If I'm in a town, I, I could say, like, buy a steak and get it under the steak context, and it'll show me based on a search, search-based location, like, where that is. So, just in a nut, differentiating things you can only do in certain locations. The, another one of the cl- classic examples, if I want to get my Dungeon Master's Guide from my mom's house, I have a context for my mom's house. And if I never have anything under there, I won't see it. But next time I'm in town, it'll pop right up. Okay. I have a couple questions. So I, I've been using a different way of dealing with this location stuff. Specifically, I've been using the Reminders app that comes on the iPhone. And I've got the main Reminders list, which ties to OmniFocus using that cool trick that uh, we did the video on last year. Mm-hmm. And then I've got like an Apple Store list and a Home Depot list and a grocery store list. And these are tied geofence to my local grocery store, my local Home Depot. They're not tied to any other one. So now, do those go into OmniFocus, or those are just like shopping lists? No, they're and just reminders? they're just reminder shopping lists. And with with Siri, yeah, it's very easy. You say you know add nuts and bolts to my Home Depot list, and it that's all you need to say, and it goes on that list. And I don't right. see those until I get near Home Depot, and then it's geofence, so it, it does tell me, hey, you've got to buy nuts and bolts, right? But so I didn't get that when I originally looked at OmniFocus, but from what I'm hearing you say is that you can make it so when you're near any Home Depot, it will give you that warning. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, now, what, what you buy yourself with your, your method is um, a little inside baseball, but OmniFocus will give you a notification 
if you hit the geofence of a specific of basically anything that's a lat long location. So if you've given it a specific address for something, it can ding you yeah. and say, okay, well, you know, you're near your house, so remember to do this house thing. You're leaving work, remember to get your briefcase or whatever. Who cares a briefcase anymore? But but here's the thing. Um, for example, in San Francisco, we have this thing about like, we don't have big box, we don't have big box stores here because we're fancy. And, you know, so if we go down to Daly City or, you know, Saramonte Colma, one of those cities just south of San Francisco where we're, we're, we're allowed to have big box stores, I, there's a couple targets there. Uh, there's a Costco, there's a Trader Joe's. Now, that sounds, why would I have a Trader Joe's context? Well, because there's certain things you can only get at Trader Joe's. But I can get them at any Trader Joe's. If I want two buck chuck, I can get that at any Trader Joe's. If I'm in Boston, I can get two buck chuck at a Trader Joe's. Now, I won't get the notification, but it doesn't matter to me because I've developed the muscle where I, I know to look at that anytime I go into a grocery store or a drugstore. Well, why would you not do that? <laughs> why would you do G- not, 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 I'm not criticizing you but I mean like why would people not do that if, they're, if they've adopted a GTD system why would you try to hold that in your brain and, and so for me I hope this is answering your question um, that, that has become extremely powerful I don't you know in my case like Home Depot I've had like one or two items there ever but like d- have you ever been driven completely crazy by going to the hardware store for nuts and bolts and forgetting that for two years you meant to buy sandpaper I find that extremely frustrating. And so I'm trying to gang that. If I go to Ikea, there's always a, a ton of stuff we want to get at Ikea, little junk. And so that goes in the Ikea context. Because my wife says, hey, we're going to Emeryville next week. Like, um, so, you know, and I start thinking about that. I start thinking about anything I might need at an Ikea. Um, boy, I'm white. But, but, that's, and, but that works great for me. But breaking this out into two separate things, like I say, and if you travel a lot, it's indispensable. Because I want to see where any ATM is. Um, if I'm, you know, if I, if I can go to any ATM, it goes, if I'm out of town or whatever, you know, money I get from my PayPal account, I, I can get from any ATM. Um, stuff I need to do at my bank, at mine, like I, that has to be a specific place. So like I say, that, that's worked out pretty great for me. And then I've got contest text. I have really weird squirrely ones. You should ask your other question, but like everywhere and anywhere, everywhere means like, this is something super important that I really need to do. So it should be bugging me at the top of the list. And anywhere is a non-geo location where, you know what I mean? I, I try not to use those too much because it's a little lazy. Um, and then you've, but those are, those are two tricks. And the things you put on that list are always available. You just use your context filtering or perspectives not to see them. And I don't like, to, I don't like to, this is, if there's anything that I do that's fiddly high priority stuff, that's it. Where like, if I know I've got to, it, it sounds silly and it's a little weak, but that helps a lot. But to answer an implicit part of your question, so do you have, you, you guys have offices. You, you have an office yeah. where you work, right? Sure. Right. And you have a home that you live in, right? Yes. Yeah. A home is not the same thing as a house, and, and uh, an office is not the same thing as work. Work is an area of life where things happen. Um, home life is, is about your family and your life. A house is a location you go to that your family lives in. An office is a place you go to to work. But I could work anywhere with lots of stuff. This is where you get around one of those real roadblocks of GTD. Is that a distinction without a difference? I think not. So, for example, I don't have a work shopping list. I have an office shopping list. So if I'm walking around my office and I see, oh, I need to buy toilet paper and bleach and, you know, Kleenex and soda streams, this sounds silly, but I, that goes on the office shopping list because that's where it belongs. But I can still pick it up at any drugstore or any food bar, baths, whatever. So those are separate lists. So to me, like home is a project 
and house is a context. And that has actually helped me tons because I think that's a little bit of resistance in your brain because office, you can, I don't know about you guys, I can do a lot of my work anywhere, my quote unquote work, but a podcast that has to happen at the office, right? But, um, but jotting something down could happen as a part of work anywhere. And that, that's been super helpful to me. And again, if there's nothing under that project, if there's nothing under that context, I don't see it. It's not hard. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's not, it's the opposite of crufty. If you can get through the point where, and you know, it does help to periodically review and go through and delete projects and contexts you don't need just so they won't show up in autofill. But um, that's a, this is a system that I, I just, I haven't touched the system in the longest time because it's been working great for me. Yeah. It, well, it is definitely interesting. I'm going to give it a little bit of a try because I've been doing that sort of hacky through the reminders app. And I just keep that stuff out of OmniFocus. But like, why would you put it in the Reminders app? Because that now isn't that another thing you have to check? Are you talking about doing the the syncing with uh, OmniFocus? No, because I mean, like, why would you have? Why would you give yourself another bucket to check? I just because that that was the original geo fencing, you know, application when the iOS came out. I think iOS five, right. and I just started using it, and you got the habit. So I never switched over to. Do you have a sense? Do you have a sense of of? I've asked Ken about this a little bit. I, I would really love. I've spent time trying to figure this out because it would be so giant for me and for people who don't know. As you've demonstrated, you can go and enter things into the Reminders app, and if you're doing iCloud syncing, it will then show up usually in the inbox in OmniFocus. Do you have a sense of what the secret sauce is to get it associated with certain contexts? Is that is that is that a known thing? Because I've had really random things appear in different places, and I can't decide if it's by autocomplete or something. But do you know what I'm saying? If you say, if you give yourself a reminder to say, um, take out the trash when I get home, take out the trash when I get to the house, and it's one of the things that Siri recognizes as having an association with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could say a reminder of like, oh, reminder, do this when I get to the office. And, and Reminder app handles that fine. Do you have a sense of how you get that to go into a certain context in OmniFocus? No, I, I have them just go into the inbox. I don't, I just get the raw task in and from there I process it in OmniFocus. It's a pretty great time saver though to be able to just speak and have it work. Yeah. It's great when you're driving. I think of you things all the you time. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. Hey, just so hold the, that's monkey balls. Just hold the button be down. Bad. You can say, give it a command. Uh, Dan does that all the time. Dan's constantly talking on the phone while he's driving. It makes me insane. Yeah. yeah. Soon he'll be podcasting when I'm driving. He did too many of them. You know, he doesn't get a lot of time to himself, so. Uh. <laughs> you know, on, uh, all right. last point on context. Um, Sven yes. Fechner at um, Simplicity's Bliss did a post, I don't know, about I don't know, about a year ago now, called A Fresh Take on Contexts. Yeah, where he talked about building context around time and energy, um, I've never done it, and uh, I, I've, I'm pretty traditional in my context. You know, I've got you know tech and I've got work and different contexts like that. And I was wondering if you've ever played with any of those types of contexts that Sven was referring to. Yeah, you got me turned on to that blog, and it's one of the very few whatever you want to call it productivity blogs I read. I think it's I think it's a good good site. Um, I totally get why people would do that. It has zero appeal for me. I mean, to me, like, and, and I don't mean to sound like a, like a cleric or something, but, you know, I don't need to jailbreak GTD. Like, to me, that's a different system. For me, this notion of, like, there's certain things I do at certain places and times because I need to have these outcomes has been a, a whole system for me. I would spend all day thinking about energy and stuff like that. I just... To me, that's that could be projects, but having context for that would be really alien to me. 
And, and it seems to me that in order to do that, you would really have to give up all the kinds of context that I swear by. Well, do I have the energy to buy ibuprofen? Well, that's just not how I would think about yeah. that. I, I don't, I mean, like, I don't know. I, to me that, that, that would, and I'm not, I'm not saying don't do this system, but for me, like I, I like I say, I mean, I want to, I want to get to the point where I can create hours in a row to do a thing or not do a thing. And if I want to sit around and, and post YouTube videos, I can do that. But you know, I get that. I get why you would do that. But I think there's ways, if you're getting in, like, and you're doing the David Sparks method, you come in in the morning and spend a little time going through there. Um, you know, I might actually write a couple things on index cards to say, like, these are the things, these are the rocks I want to finish today. But I, I don't want to spend my day having to remember what I do yeah. or having to remember why I do it. That shouldn't be happening inside of an application in my mind. Yeah, it seems like there's kind of this uh, talk, all this talk on the internet lately about GTD and just these, you know, these manic systems we use to try and keep track of everything. And, and I'm a big fan of GTD and it's really helped me, but that's just me. Right. But uh, this stuff really helps me get work done. I mean, and the idea is not to spend the whole day fiddling with it and, and doing things. I, I really use it as a method not really. Enough. Well, it would be it would be beyond hypocritical for me to whine about people whining about GTD because right. I my 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 third career in this stuff has been whining about people who who overthink this stuff. But I mean, it's 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 to me a lot of that is beyond throwing the baby out with the bath. A lot of it feels like link bait. That's basically saying, you know, I don't like shovels, and so you shouldn't either. Or I have a philosophical problem with shovels. Well, shovels are useful or not. If, if, if it's not working for you, then you shouldn't use the shovel. But that doesn't mean it's not useful for somebody. And in the past, I've used that to apologize for fiddly systems. But a shovel is not fiddly. And having a, a system of any kind that helps you work, I mean, that's what it's about. That's why it's there. Like I say, it's there to help you clear your desk. It's not there to remind you why you're sitting at the desk. And if you're using it that way, you're, per, to, if I may say, you're doing it wrong. And so, I mean, it's to me, it's it's kind of a straw man. I I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any dog in this fight. But you know, I think people need things to write about on productivity blogs. It's one reason I don't do it anymore. But I think people need, I think people need something to to write about. And so, you know, they do all this this soul searching about all this stuff, and then these God incredibly long reviews, and you know. But then Brett Terpstra puts out this gorgeous table of well-researched information on what you can do with iOS text apps. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Okay, and I find that, I find that about a thousand times more useful than somebody ruminating on whether or not a book helps people. You know, I mean, I, I've, again, I've been guilty of that. I think the four-hour work is a terrible idea and you should put the book down because it's going to harm you. But to me, I, that's because I think the stuff in there is harmful to what I consider important values in life. I, I would never say to somebody, don't buy a colander because it, it, it's making you stupid. All right, this is probably a good time to take a quick break and talk about our exclusive sponsor for this episode, Smile. And uh, this is a really, really, really big week for Smile, and we're glad that they can exclusively sponsor this show because we've got a lot of stuff to tell you about. And stay tuned because there might even be a super secret special discount code later, right? Yeah, but let's start with Text Expander version 4. Version 4? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's out now, and it's really great. I, so I've been using it for about a month. That's uh, 
one of the luxuries of knowing these folks and, and a lot. Being a super famous podcaster? Uh, not really. Actually, it was a lot of begging, okay. but either way. Please, so, please let us do the better. So it's great. What they really, I think what they really capitalize on was the fill-in forms, which always existed in text expander, but now they're way better. So as a lawyer, I mean, I can really dig this. You can set it up where you can have fill-in forms that are optional. So it's got a bunch of fill-in clauses like a clause to a contract or a response to an unhappy customer. And you can just tick the box for the things you want to say. Yeah, you can do new things. They've got multiple types of fill-in forms. So you have multiple line text fields now, or you can do pop-up menus. So you can say, oh, I want this type of fill-in form, or I want this type of thing to go in. And optional text selection. So I want this paragraph, but maybe not this paragraph, and maybe I do want this paragraph. So you can mix and match your responses, so you can have even more customizable responses without actually customizing them. Yeah, it's it's really super. So in addition to selecting specific paragraphs to include. It also has uh, a series of options. So you could have like five different options to choose from for a specific fill-in. If there's something you always have like, gee, thanks for writing about our product X or Y or Z. So you can make that a fill-in form in that sense. You can have single line fill-in forms like they always had, but now you can have a default entry. So if there's something that you generally use, but you may want to change it once in a while, you can have it so it automatically populates with your default entry. You can do multi-line options, which is super because you can make really long fill-in form. And like I was talking about earlier, those tick-the-box ones, which are super as well. So I did a screencast on it, and uh, I gave it to the guys at Smile, and it's on their website. It's also on maxsparky.com. I'll put it in the show notes. And it was kind of fun making it. It's only like three or four minutes, but it shows you the new features really quickly. Yeah, and you used as an example your what I hope is not your default fill-in form for why you cannot attend meetings. Actually, it is. It's straight out of it. It's the, it's it is the straight out of your default fill-in. every day. So. so, dear blank, I am unable to attend your meeting on pull out the drop-down menu for the following reasons. Check the boxes that apply. Yeah. Because I'm combing my hair. Because I'd really rather not. Because I just don't like you. It was something like that. I don't remember the exact details, but it's kind of fun. <laughs> I think I'm 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 uh, I'm I'm making it a little more G-rated. Yeah. Anyway, go check it out. It's it's fun, and you'll learn something new. Yep. So Text Expander is available from SmileSoftware.com. You can download it direct from their website. That's available for thirty four ninety five. They have a free thirty day money back guarantee. So for any reason you don't like it, but you know you're going to like it. Um, go get it. I promise you that it'll save you a ton of time. And if you're a recent convert to Text Expander 3, even if you bought it from the Mac App Store, they're really, really, really smart people over at Smile, and they've got a solution for that too. Yeah, so you can get the update for, I think it's $15. If you're already mm-hmm. an owner, go jump on this one. Totally worth it. And just a little correction, Katie, it's a 90-day money-day back uh, guarantee. A 90 day, I thought I said that, but yes, you're right. It is a 90 day money back guarantee. And if you love Text Expander so much on your Mac that you decide you want it on your iPad and your iPhone and your iOS device too, check out Text Expander Touch in the Mac App Store for $4.99. It's a company you can trust making a great product and it just keeps getting better. Go check it out. This is not on the Mac App Store, by the way, because of the sandboxing rules. They couldn't do that. So you have to go to the website to buy it, Smile Software. And uh, if you go to smilesoftware.com slash MPU, that's even better. It lets them know you heard about it from us. 
Yeah, check it out. And thank you to Smile for their support of the show. Hey, let's go over to text editors a little bit because Breck did an amazing mm-hmm. thing. He took he does everything amazing. Yeah, he's did. so he's, he's incredible. <laughs> I agree. I'm uh, I want to be Brett when I grow up. But the, uh, the the guy, so he there's all these text editors, and and we saw this coming, right? This has been going for a couple of years, and you know there's uh, you know every adjective you can think of compared to some kind of text editor, and no matter what you want, somebody has made it and distributed it. And it's kind of neat in a way because for a long time there was everybody's text editor was Microsoft Word and nobody else even developed a competitor to it. Now on the iOS we don't have Microsoft Word, but instead we've got about three hundred different ways to write words. And so Brett went and did a summary of all of them, and he made this huge table. I'm going to put it in the show notes that shows all of the different text editors, what they do, what they cost, and what the features they are. And, and you can very easily filter that list down to the features that are important. Yeah, you could you. say, like, I don't even want to look at this if it doesn't have text expander support. That would be my first one. Like, if it doesn't handle right. Markdown, Dropbox, and text expander, I won't open it again, personally. And, and, and to me, that, that embarrassment of riches, all of those options, end up getting in the way if you have to sit there and buy all these apps and play with them. Well, I know, I know what I do for a living. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I just need something that shows me, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. there are so many of these text editors. To-do list apps whatever you want to call it, task management apps. I loathe that term. <laughs> it's like recycling management. You know, um, there's so many of them, but having somebody that helps you cut through the fog, especially somebody who who has made those apps, makes it so useful. So how are you dealing with text these days on your iPhone? Well, um, on my iPhone. Um, well, I do, I think stuff through Dropbox. Um, I have this weird tick, this habit I've kept since I, Elements, um, uh, Justin Williams uh, makes this app called Elements that was my Simple Note. Like I used to use Simple Note. It was my first big editor thing I used on the, on the iOS. Um, a lot of people love Simple Note. Uh, people like minimalist, you know, fetishists love Simple Note. It's, it's fine. I lost some work on it a couple times and it, it made me close it. Um, right. and, and when it didn't do Dropbox syncing, it was just, I was like, why would I stay with this? It's a great app. It's a great app. And it works for so many people. But for me, I started looking around. And then I found Elements. And at the time, Elements would only let you sync to the one directory called Elements. I think that's changed since that. So I have this one, you know, Elements, whatever folder, deep in my hierarchy. And um, and then that syncs between all my devices. And so... My main go-to, the first thing that I always open on iOS is Nebulous Notes, which has almost exactly two things that keep it from being perfect for me. But I've got, what do I have on here? Um, Byword, Elements, Notesy, um, Nebulous Notes. Because unfortunately right now there are some that do, are really only, there are some, there are some apps on iOS that not only do one thing better than the others, but maybe the only one that actually does that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for example, stupid stuff like, okay, listen, there's two, like, so for example, I, Nebulous Notes is far and away my favorite right now. Um, but it's a, it's a little hacky in that I've written macros for doing um, Markdown, unless you do macros and, you know, export them and stuff. But it doesn't currently have search on Dropbox, which drives me bananas, and it doesn't automatically save as .md, which, again, this, if you're, this all sounds inside baseball. Um, that frustrates me. And other than that, like, it's pretty much perfect. So sometimes this sounds so crazy, but I've got to open up notes here elements to go find something. Because like I say, I've got all these 700 or whatever text files these days. And um, I might rename it so that it'll pop to the top 
but each one of them has something that makes me a little nuts. The like the good some of the good ones are really slow at Dropbox syncing. Um, you know, some of them like I really really love Byword, but um, I, for some reason the Dropbox syncing was not working great for me. It's I, I've used it I've used it at times when I want to really focus on on like one project, and so I'll put stuff on iCloud, but iCloud syncing is is beyond me at this point. I think my my brain is not anywhere near getting around the future of iCloud syncing. But you know, really, it's nebulous. I think you and a lot of people. <sighs> yeah, um, redacted. I mean, I think it gets uh, it gets weirder from what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I use Write Room lately for Dropbox syncing, and it is just wicked fast on the Dropboxing. So that's the one I've been using for the Dropbox side of the house, and I've been using. And it does Markdown. Um, well, no. Well, I you know I don't really use Markdown Preview. I just write in Markdown. I don't. Don't do anything fancy with it, you know. I just, well, have you seen what Nebulous Notes does? Did I show you that, or have you played with it? You know, I haven't used Nebulous Notes in a while. I need to probably go back and take a look at it. But there's a couple of really interesting apps right now. Writing Kit is very interesting, and uh, I think Nebulous Notes is very interesting. Um, Textastic is another one that's really interesting. Brett wrote about that recently. But for example, in Nebulous Notes, I've you can create like little macros, like you would in Text Expander. You know, like whatever. Uh, percent or dollar sign, I forget what it is, this or that. So, But for example, I could say, when I hit this button, and you get a little button set above your keyboard, when I hit this asterisk, that means create a new line under what I just did, put an asterisk, and then a space. Yeah. So I got a bullet with that one hit. Because making bullets on iOS is a real pain in the butt. Yeah. And then I got another one, which is when I hit this button, get a new line with two tabs, and then, uh, you know, an asterisk. So now I've got a nested bullet. When I hit this one, give me an H1. When I hit this one, give me an H2. There's other ones where it'll actually, like, fly through the text. You can have a macro work inside of a macro. And so that's, it's a little hacky, but that's worked great for me. And I do rely very very heavily on preview, sometimes emailing things from inside the preview. But that's worked really well with me. And and with the way, the way that my uh, use of text files on the Mac has evolved. So that's... And you know, and that sounds silly, except that those really work together. G- using NVALT as my primary place I type has changed the way that I um, think about stuff because I'm I'm very comfortable now having hundreds and hundreds of files that have just tiny, tiny bits of text in them. Yeah, and that's another Brett Chirps product, <laughs> you know? Correct, absolutely. It was a fork of yeah. notational velocity yeah. that Brett does with another fellow. But so that so again, now for me, now well, how does that change? Well, if you're on if you're on iOS and you've got 10 text files, like you're good. If you mainly use that like the Notes app, I personally I would just use the Notes app instead. If you're not doing Markdown, you don't need all that junk. But in my case, like I I live in Markdown all day long, multi Markdown. Um, and so having all that stuff, and this also gets into like this. this I got to tell you, when we get to it, I got this amazing new plug um, extension for Chrome that's, that's changing everything for me. But you know, because by virtue of the fact that MVAlt has me creating all of these mini small files, well, that means the app that I use on iOS has to be good at finding stuff. If it's not good at finding stuff, or, you know, it only sorts by alphabetical, I mean, that that would be like having my entire kitchen organized alphabetically. Well, no, the forks need to be next to the knives. The salt needs to be next to the pepper. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't want, uh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not good with letters, but I, I don't need that. I don't want the S with the Fs and, and the, uh, the, I don't want the B's to be just there, bottles to be there just because that's where B goes. 
you know, um, it needs to be more, if you like, contextual. So that w- weighs heavily into into how I use that. And then I do kind of, whenever there's a new app and there's buzz about it, I'll check it out for five minutes, give it the basic sniff test. But, you know, there's nothing I, I can't do with what I've got. And it actually kind of frustrates me a lot that people are always on this ridiculous quest to not do their work by finding a way to theoretically do their work. And and that's just a value that I, I means a lot to me at this point. So yeah, sorry, that was a lot. But I mean, I, I'm very happy with the, with the workflow just because it is a workflow and now I don't think about it. I just do stuff, it shows up. Dropbox has been peerless for me in terms of, uh, in a way I can't even understand. It's bananas how it so seldom steps on a file in, in any way. You know, the worst thing I get is that, you know, I've got iPad conflicted copy versus this computer conflicted copy. And I go and I can do a diff three on it or whatever and find out what the difference is and fix it. So, so, so just stepping back on this workflow, <laughs> you work on Nebulitz notes is where you're, you're really writing stuff. Mm-hmm. And elements is where you're finding and searching stuff from your NVL database off Dropbox. Elements was, I, I love Justin to death, but elements is periodically from one release to another has, has been a little bit, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Erratic for me. I've had I've had some weird, crashy stuff that I can't account for in Elements, and that that put put me off it a little bit. It's a great app, and I mean, if if you if you're not nerdy enough to use Nebulous Notes because it is super nerdy, it's like the Emacs of iOS text editors. I would say Notesy or Elements are the way to go, or ByWord. Okay. ByWord is great. I just the the, the syncing on ByWord is still something I'm figuring out. And I love George, so I mean, I, I, I recommend that app too. Yeah, see, I, see, I use ByWord exclusively with iCloud, and I find it works fine with iCloud in that limited, you know, in that role. When as much as iCloud can work fine. I haven't had too much problems. No. Well, where, where, where's, your text, where's your text file live? Who knows? Okay, so how do you get that in MVAlt? Well, that, see, that to me, that's a separate thing. You know, the stuff I'm doing in iCloud isn't going to... If it's going to get NVL, I'm going to block and copy it there. But it's generally stuff that doesn't go to NVL. It's stuff that uh, it's a big writing project I'm working on, or it's a running track of something that I just want. Well, have you seen? Have you? But here's the thing: Have you seen the ability now in Marked to include files? So when I'm writing the newsletter for Back to Work, um, I'll have sections, and I'll write the sections separately, like you would a chapter in Scrivener. Yeah. Right. And then if you go. So greater than is a block quote. If you do less than, less than, and the name of the file, like whatever .md in, in brackets, yeah. it includes it in marked. Yeah. Have you done this? Yeah, I'm, a fil- I'm familiar with it. I haven't used it. Oh, it's, incre- it's incredibly powerful. I just, iCloud, iCloud to me has created like a thousand archipelagos that I, I, I have no idea where anything lives anymore. I finally understand iTunes Match and I really like it. I'm kind of surprised. There's just something right now, I don't want to say it's not credible, but the fact that I still would need to upload files via a website, that they went up, that they went with iCloud for documents when A, they're all in these different barrels in different rooms, and B, when to use iWork, you have to upload it via a website? Like, what is this, like 1994? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> and it makes, me, it makes me not want to put my stuff there. No. Dropbox is, has been, you know, aside from that path, password gaffe that one time, has been, for practical purposes, bulletproof. If I delete it, I get it back. I can get it back. You know, I can roll back. I mean, all that stuff is like, that's stuff that I do all the time. I'm not against iCloud, but, you know, I'm, the sandboxing stuff is going to be such a pain in the butt. And it's going to, in my opinion, uh, you know, I think it's going to lead a lot of people to ha- have to wonder if they're going to stay on the App Store. It's already started. Yeah. There's no, no doubt. I mean, 
some of our favorite utilities are not going to be in the app store because they can't. And I don't know what we're getting back for it as consumers. I know that there's this sense of security, but isn't this just kind of like the machines at the airport? Well, yeah, I think yeah. it's security theater. Mm, could be, could be. I, I think it's, I think it's that the iOS has become, has really changed. I mean, this is so obvious, unless it's not, which is that the iOS is, has clearly become the model for how they want you to use their devices. Uh, it makes more sense for buying things. It makes more sense for using things. But I mean, like, I still don't understand my touchpad. I, my touchpad on my MacBook Air, I love, but I mean, I'm still always hitting the wrong thing for these gestures. I love the gestures, but like, I'm having trouble with that. Maybe I'm just old. Um, I'm still using this old ugly Logitech mouse because I can get my work done with that. And then, but with the iCloud, like, I just, I don't like not knowing where stuff lives. And understand, I'm not like go ja- jailbreak your iPhone guy. I don't understand why you would buy an iPhone if you're going to jailbreak it. That just that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, that's like that's like going on paleo and, and eating nothing but bread. I like why would that doesn't make any sense. I like I like the the world that I can trust of iOS, but I also I can't imagine what I would do without stuff like hacky or slightly hacky stuff like text expander or one password or whatever. If anything, I want that stuff more integrated. But I don't think that's the direction that it's going. I think they want it to be like opening notes on your iOS device and typing. Yeah. So I don't want to go down that slippery slope thing of like, oh my gosh, pretty soon you won't get a command line prompt. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> but <laughs> but clearly the direction they're going, if you learn, if you if you stick with Mac stuff long enough, you learn a very important thing. Every developer with any sense knows this and has to accept it. You must follow Apple's lead. If you don't follow Apple's, Apple's lead, you will be left behind. And and this leads to things like, uh, this is my joke, not my friend's joke, but WWDC to me has become like where my friends go to find out um, how their business will be endangered in the next year. Because you go and they go, okay, and here's this one thing. And you go, okay, well, there goes 80% of something that I do. Yeah. <laughs> or or there goes my ability to continue helping people with this <laughs> thing. I mean, again, not, not to be all weird about Text Expander, but like, yeah, I've got a few iOS shortcuts just because I, ha- I never want to type my email address again. So yeah, I, I put that into the iOS. But like, you can't sync. Like, how bananas is it that you can't sync your abbreviations between devices? Right. You should be able to have or it on did you OS ten. The too. abbreviations can't have page uh, line breaks on them. I sure do. Yeah. 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 Try that for an email response. Oh, and then inside right. a mail dot app, like, literally, don't get me started. What? What are you? <sighs> yeah. Anyway, I'm glad they got flagging now. That's handy. But you know, it's I. I, I feel like I'm moving mountains with teaspoons. With, with some of the stuff that, that, that Apple is moving us towards, and I find it very frustrating. Why? Because it is disruptive to my workflow. That's a silly word. But you know what workflow is? Workflow is understanding your job, understanding your tools, and then not thinking about it anymore. And I have to think, if I have to think about which text editor I did this thing in, I'll lose my mind. Well, I think what it comes down to is Apple wants to make everything very simple for everyone. I mean, that's really what iCloud is about. That's what all this stuff is about, is making it for someone who's not as deep down the rabbit hole as we are and be more productive. See, but that's, I, 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 yeah, we're dinosaurs. So I I buy that conceptually, but let me ask you some questions. Okay. First of all, I think simplicity is important, but I think being appropriate is far more important than simple. Minimalism got no use for it. Appropriatism got a lot of uses for it. It should be what it's for, right? I mean, do you want someone to, to simplify your car to, <laughs> to where it doesn't have a steering wheel? Well, maybe someday, maybe Google will come up with that. But let me ask you this. Um, 
have you ever had an iOS device where the photos were synced with one Mac and the Ma- and the music was synced with another? Yeah, it's nuts. So how'd you fix it? Was that really easy? Did you do that in like five minutes? Yeah, exactly. I just just wiped it okay. out and started over again. <laughs> do you right now? Right now, do you have any um, updated apps on your iPhone that were updated in the last day? Uh, I I don't right now. Okay, well, yeah. how would you know? You'd have to go to your phone and check. Oh, okay, huh? Because my wife had like seventy two. <laughs> and they were not automatically updating. Is that simple? Well, it's simple if you think going somewhere and entering a military-grade password is a convenient way to keep your phone updated. I thought that's what Apple was for. It's for simple. Here's the problem is now they have introduced so many – I'm sorry, I'm ranting. No, no, it's But this is, the, this is the frustrating part. When people always fall back on this, this canard about how Apple's all about simplicity, well, they're not about simplicity. Um, they, 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 are, they are sometimes – yes, they sometimes are great at making it simple. But I think that is completely untrue right now. Let me ask you this. Do you use iTunes Match? Sure. Okay. You're, you, see, you see a giant bar in iTunes on, on your Mac – Oh my God, your phone, I, the other day my iPad was quote unquote four gigs over. So what do you do? Okay, so you see a big green one for apps. You see a big orange one for music. Which music, how do you get rid of that music? It's crazy. It you know what you do? You turn off iTunes Match and then start over. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Or you go one by oh, one. Oh yeah, iTunes Match. Well, that's really simple though, right? Device. Thank God that's so simple. Yeah. Now, and how about this? Uh, you got a big green bar on apps. Okay, which, which app is, all the, is taking up all that room? How, like you're about to get on a plane and yeah. you need to put stuff on your phone. How, how do you, how do you, how, where, where, where's all that stuff? What is that? Is that my comic book app? Is that Goodreader? Where is that? I don't know. I mean, I guess you can go into a usage area and find that, but do you think, do you think the typical person who wants a simple to use thing knows that? Do you think they know that real racing HD is taking up most of their iPad? Do you think they know that accidentally getting the HD rather than SD version of this video has made a huge difference? I, I don't think all that stuff is that simple. So, yeah, I mean, I like it when they make, can make something as simple as there's one dock connector. I like it when they make it as simple as, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to getting Thunderbolt. That's all great. That's, that's simple. But if you try to introduce simplicity to something that has a native complexity and you don't do it flawlessly, it's the opposite of simple. If you remove the ability to put your hands around something that's important to you, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I need Emacs on here. I'm just saying that, like, you do this for a living, and you don't know which app is taking up all that space. So, like, how's that simple? That, I'm sorry. It just frustrates me. And that direction, that direction scares the crap out of me. If we get to a point where, like, I don't understand what's on my devices anymore, or I don't understand how to, you know, that is a disruption to my workflow, and it's anything but simple. iTunes. Look at iTunes. <laughs> like, is that really where all of that stuff belongs? Another one here. I actually started a list. I had a really long phone call with Marco the other day talking about this stuff. Oh, let me ask you this. How about this one? This is just a good, nice piece of simplicity. Um, do, do you understand which email addresses you can receive iMessages at on which device? I've got no clue. That's such a mess. That's nice and simple, though. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I think my point is that they are <laughs> they're trying to go this direction, and as a result, apps we like are getting pushed out of the App Store. I don't think they're going to disappear. People that we like and know are not going to make as much money as they used to because now they can't sell their product 
to the place that most people are going to buy the product. Yeah, I think that's a little short-sighted. I think the good ones will find the next thing to make. I mean, anybody who makes an app and then thinks they can rest on it for 20 years might as well be selling sheet music. I think smart developers will adapt to that, but I, I totally agree with you. And you know what? And we'll adapt. This is, they say this is the problem with all the people in the 60s who worried about the, you know, uh, the population bomb. Like, what's going to happen? The world is going to fall apart because of this. Or people in the 70s and 80s and even 90s saying, oh my God, the energy crisis, we're going to fall apart. Well, all that stuff, it's not great, but the technology does evolve and we evolve and it's not perfect, but we, we're still here. And I think that's what will happen with iOS. I don't see any future where I'm going to pop over to one of the 1300 Android devices just because I'm in a huff that day. Um, but but it is it's it, to get to the point of your program, it is disruptive to workflow to have to think about this stuff. We have photos of my daughter on my wife's phone, and short of using phone view to go in and manually remove them, well, I got to get them into Lightroom on this box, or I got to get them into um, you know iPhoto in this box. And if you give yourself up completely to this, and you just I don't want to, you know, I hate that word fanboy, but if you give yourself up to completely complete this, you'll be fine. But now you're changing your life instead of having your devices support the way you want to live, which troubles me. A future where that gets worse rather than better is very troubling to me. That's all. Yeah. All right. Before we get too much further along here, we do need to take another break and talk again about our exclusive sponsor for this episode. Again, that is Smile Software. And this time we need to talk about PDF Pen. And uh, we said, stay tuned, we might have a special offer for you. And we do. So PDF Pen is my favorite PDF application. And notice I didn't just say PDF Editor because it is that, but it's my default PDF application. I use this to open PDFs, to view PDFs, but PDF Pen can do so much more. You can add text, you can edit images, you can add signatures, you can correct things on your PDF, you can fill out forms, you can reorder the pages, you can merge things, you can delete things. It has just become such a habit that I can now open up a PDF and do almost whatever I want with it. Why not just let PDF Pen be your default PDF reader on your Mac? Yeah, Merlin keeps making fun of me because I love PDF Pen so much, but if you worked in PDFs as much as I do, you would too. PDFs are cool, man. I'm not sure I'd go that far, Come on. but this this app rocks for dealing with them, and it's multi-platform. You know, not only do you get PDF Pen on your Mac, you can get it on your iPad, and they have iCloud syncing, so it seamlessly jumps back and forth. But wait, there's yeah. more. Yeah, so they they just added Dropbox syncing to it on the iPad. Well, you know, it's something they needed to do, and they wanted to get it right, and they did it in a way that's different from any other uh, competing application. If you haven't, I strongly suggest go checking it out because it's very user friendly. And I've I've moved everything over. I was doing a bunch of stuff in GoodReader, but really, I just do PDF, so I don't need all those extra bells and whistles in GoodReader and that interface. Instead, I've been going with the PDF Pen, and now with the Dropbox and iCloud syncing. Both at the same time, by the way. You don't have to make an election. You can do either one. Uh, it's awesome. you know. So I've got all my PDF problems solved, great interface, and they're giving $15 off if you buy the PDF Pen for Mac app through the, uh, the website, uh, smilesoftware.com slash MPU, which happens to be the exact amount it would cost to buy yourself PDF Pen for your iPad. So, Oh, my goodness. It's almost like they planned that or something. Exactly. So, so go, if you haven't done it yet, go buy the app through the MPU, uh, Mac, I'm sorry, smilesoftware.com slash MPU link. Get 15 bucks off, then just take that 15 bucks you saved. March over to the iPad app store. Buy yourself PDF Pen for your iPad, and you have solved all your PDF problems. 
Yeah, it's it's just wonderful when you realize that you have a complete end-to-end solution between PDF Pen for the Mac and PDF Pen for the iPad that you can do everything. You can edit all your PDFs on your Mac, you can OCR, you can do whatever it is you need to do when you're at your Mac, and then you have all of that power on your iPad as well, and you can sync them all back and forth between Dropbox, between iCloud, and then when you're out and about and somebody sends you something, and this happens to me all the time, or you see a mistake or you need to send somebody something and you find a correction that you need to make on the fly, you can just pick up your iPad and you can do it, you know, drop in a signature, fix a typo, change a date, and then send it back and send it out without ever having, you know, to go back home to to grab your Mac. Uh, this works great for me being in a PC-based environment during the day because I've always got my iPad in my bag, which means I always have PDF pen. Yeah. And, you know, we did the show on cooking ideas several months ago. And the, the point I tried to make in that show was that to do really great work, I think you need to spend time on it and not in one big block, but a bunch of little blocks. And PDF pen fits that mentality for me because I can sit in Starbucks and work on PDFs off my iPad and then go back to my Mac. And it's always just there. And I don't have to, with with very little effort, I can have this stuff everywhere. And that, that makes it possible for me to cook on ideas and and work on this stuff. So to me, it really ups my game. And uh, I think they're a great company, like I said, and they really are going above and beyond to not only create good software for Mac users, but to think about how we need to use it and make it easier on us. So uh, this is a really great product, and I recommend please go check it out. Yep. And again, smilesoftware.com slash MPU. And thanks to Gene and all the folks at Smile Software, and congratulations on uh, your successful launches. That's really impressive. You know, they got a, a brand new version of Text Expander and a serious upgrade to PDF Pen for iPad out in the same month as WWDC. Wow. Exactly. I want to change gears a little bit because I don't know how much time we have left. We'll we'll stay as long as you want. I had nowhere to be. But <laughs> I don't really have a job, Katie. I don't have a job. I mean, this is what I do. Is is I I sit here with this podcaster yelling. So I'm sorry about that. One of the things people have always asked us about, and that always comes up associated with you, is email. And I know you use Gmail, and I know you've got some crazy, insane ninja tricks, and that it works for you. I I can't get my head around Gmail. <laughs> how, how, how does Merlin Man make Gmail work? Um, I'm not a big fan of email. I'm kind of scared of email a lot of the time. I just don't even want to look You're at it. You're the email guy. Since when? You're the inbox zero guy. Yeah, why? Because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> I'm not, I mean, if I were great at it, I wouldn't need to talk about it. I'm, it's because I'm terrible. I mean, email's horrific. How, fi- yeah. Fix this problem I will. You know what? Let me make a note here. Let me capture it in one of my mini apps that might work through iCloud. Um. You know what? Can I say one thing to finish that thread, though? After all of that, let me say one nice thing. Um, When I got my iPad 2, I was gritting my teeth and getting ready. This is after iCloud. I've been iCloud syncing since the beta. But um, when I – you know, and iCloud syncing of devices, like I still don't understand how to restore certain things. I don't know how you do a rollback in something. Having said that, I'll tell you what did blow my mind. I opened up my new thing. I entered in my stuff, wireless password, and they said, do you want to restore this from one of these iPads? And I went, eh, this is so not going to work. But what the heck? That's pretty cool. It was like 37 minutes later, and my iPad, every single thing was back in place. So that's Disney magic. That's the kind of simplicity. That is cool. That's the kind of simplicity I can live with. I, I, don't need you, I don't need you simplifying the way that I write, but I love you simplifying the way that 
computers can get in the way. So anyway, I, I have to give credit where due. If they can get more stuff like that going, you know, and I, I didn't mean to give you guys the, 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 the voir dire or whatever, but I mean, I think it's super frustrating that I'm going to have to go through and manually go figure out where all these 256K files are on my iTunes. To answer your question, Gmail. Yeah. Gmail was made uh, by people at Google uh, who get a lot of Google email. And so Gmail is an, is an application that has been optimized for people who need to deal with a lot of email. Um, I have my own qualms about how you could make it better to do stuff with that email. But mail.app, you know, I'm, I'm going to try not to do this every episode. I have absolutely no reason to open mail.app ever. I find it completely inscrutable. It, to me, it's like, trying to, it's like trying to do your work on a pinball machine. It makes no sense to me at all. Gmail has built-in key commands that require no meta key that let you fly through your email, let you do responses. There are, are many excellent plugins that do one or two very specific things that have become indispensable to me. Things like the important inbox in Gmail, I mean, that's really pretty much all I look at. <laughs> I Just because if I looked at it all, I wouldn't be able to do anything. But yeah, I like Gmail, the web version of Gmail. Uh, on my phone, I live with mail.app or mail for iOS. But I mean, there's just, there's a lot of stuff. I'll tell you my number one tip with Gmail. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question, Katie, but that, that's why I use Gmail and the web version. I, I don't have that many of my friends. Most of my Apple nerd friends use mail.app and seem happy with it, which is in, inscrutable to me, but best trick, do this today. Go and create a label called null. Okay. You create a label called null. And you know what that you use that label for? Nothing ever. Why? Because in my case, in Chrome, uh, I, I have set the, usually you do like, you know, edit search engines. You can go in and like have shortcuts for searching from the location bar. Yeah. If I type Gmail and hit enter, it lands me on a page called null. And this, this, <laughs> you know what's in there? Nothing. Yeah. So you don't see a ton of email as soon as you open it up. I have no idea why you would want to look at your inbox first in email. I'm probably the only person on the planet that feels that way. But I need to go in there and then go exactly to where I want to go. Like to me, it would be like opening the doors to the library and having the entire collection of that month's magazines fall on your head. Well, no, I need to go into the BNs and get this philosophy book or whatever. I know exactly where I need to go to do this. If I want to go see my inbox and process, that's fine. Why is this great? Well, first of all, I don't have to see my inbox because I don't need to see my inbox. I need to go use email. Those are such different things. I land on null. I hit C, the letter C. No, no meta key. Hit C. Compose. And now you're typing a new email. Yeah. After you send it, you're back in the null inbox. You're not back in your, not, I'm sorry, you're in the null tag. You're not back in the inbox. You're processing email. You're in the list view, right? You can, and there's all kinds of ways to set this up. JK can take you up and down a list. X selects the email. Um, uh, I'm sorry, E selects the email. Uh, is that right? No, X selects it. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm not doing it with my fingers. Um, uh, exclamation mark marks it as spam. Once you start doing this, mail.app will seem like the craziest thing in the world. You're in an email, you hit bracket left it archives that message and takes you to the next one. You hit J, it takes you to the me next message without archiving it. So how do you learn all this? You hit Shift, is it Shift? Uh, whatever it is to get the help menu and it gets pops up a HUD. Learn these commands and you'll never go back. Your fingers never leave the keyboard. You're just typing. You're not having to think about where you click and did, you know, do you need to update this, this plugin. It's a, it's a pure processing machine and then you respond when you need to. Um, in my case, I will sometimes send stuff to OmniFocus to turn it into like a task. But that's why I use Gmail, because I hate email. <laughs> and then I have some plugins that uh, are super helpful. But, and you guys don't like the, you don't like the web 
Gmail? It just seems weird. You, you know, there's a lot of people that weird. are really exercised about the changes they've made to their web interface. Do you care? Um, oh, like the spacing and all of that? Yeah. I think I might be a Philistine because I, I, I never notice things like that. Okay. I'm just looking at the letters. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like there's, there is some silly stuff. I think silly stuff. Like I'm not sure why you would turn on under labs. I'm not sure why you would turn on the ability to have multiple stars. Like you, you don't want just the gold star. You could have the red star or the blue star. But that's not semantic. Like you can't say show me all my red star stuff. Well, I, why would you not just make that a label to me? But you hit S and you start a message. So, like, if you guys were to go right now, or when you have a second, go to Gmail, um, and then, you know what? Let me just do this. So, because I'll have to live with this forever if I don't say it correctly. Um, and, and boy, you know, uh, we should also talk about that app cheat sheet because this is great. But you go in, yeah. So go to Gmail and hit Shift question mark. So basically, here's the deal: anytime you're not focal inside of a text area or a text field, you don't need a meta key to do stuff. So this is going to sound crazy, yeah. but like you hit, hit GI, that takes you go to inbox. Hit GA, goes to all, all of your mail. Uh, pound A, select all of these conversations. No mouse, guys. No mouse, right? This is a great one. You pick, you, you, you can flip, fly through with JK to select all these emails and then get this. You hit shift I to mark them all as red. So shift I and then is it E? I can't, I can't do it without using my fingers. Um, I think it's E. And then you just you just archive. Yeah, E is archive. Um, how about this one? You tick me up in the thread list. So if you're inside of an email and you want to get back to whatever that search was or whatever that inbox was, you hit the letter U and you're done. You hit the slash key and that takes you to the search field. I can't imagine why you would ever use a mouse for that stuff ever again. And that's why I use it. Um, and then like I say, the um, and and so my my tip here, and this is true for all Google apps, and I got to tell you, buddy, this is true for every app you use. Please do this. Learn every time you're about to do something that you do a lot, stop. Say, is there a key command for this? Um, If there is, I don't know it. Okay, find out what that is. Do this. Go to the help menu and start typing whatever command you wanted, and it will show you what the key command in that Mac app is. If you hit shift question mark in any Google app, you'll get this cool HUD. So do that every single time. And within a week, you're going to be so much better off at this. And my only suggestion... To add to that would be, don't go to a list of keyboard commands and just try and learn them. Learn them as no, you no, need. no. That you can learn. Your, this is going to be like Unix or you know the command line. You're fine to learn this as you go. You don't need to learn all of this, guys. If you learn JK and left bracket, right bracket, I swear to God, just learn that and try it, and it's going to blow your mind. Um, and if you're really uh, mobbed up with the Google in a way that I'm not, like Shift T, look at that. It turns a conversation into a task. You know, you can mark red from here on down. I mean, it's, are you guys getting this? Is this making any sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so why do you like mail? You know, I've got... (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Why aren't you like (laughs) me? No, I mean, what is it? What is it? Is it it, it a more Mac-like experience of mail that you like? I'm not a big fan of going to the website for Gmail. Mm -hmm. I've just never got into that. And and I get the, I get the, the text navigation uh, mail has got better with text navigation. And frankly, I think part of it for me is habit. You know, I started learning on mail and I used some plugins, you know, the mm-hmm. ones we talk about every year, same ones haven't changed. Mail act on, um, uh, with lion and mountain lion, Spam they now serve. have keyboard shortcuts to automatically file and move and jump between mailboxes. Right. 
which I do all the time. So if you have a list of mailboxes across the top of the screen using the command or a combination of control how, how does it get in the mailbox? How does it get, how does it get archived so like to the it, right place? Like if you hit command, you know, you've got a list of your most common mailboxes across the top. Oh, that's right. And you can have like, you can put custom ones. You can put smart ones up there well, too, the, right? The first one's command one. The second one's command two. And then, oh, nice. and then command yeah. plus control one moves the existing message to that whatever number you type. So I can, right. I can access and move with keyboard shortcuts. I can't mark all as red like you can. You know, there's some, no, there's some no, but I mean, just, if it works for you, it works great. In this instance, with you, if you send me an email and I want to put it under David Sparks, I hit three keys. L, D, return. Whoa, what happened? L, select the label menu. D, select the first thing that's D, which is David Sparks in my case. Enter, and you're done. And once you get that rhythm of L, selects label. I, I, got, I got tons of labels. I don't use all of them. In fact, I really could afford to cut them down. But in that case, I mean, star it, mark it as unread, S, star, it's, it's now starred. Um, you know, uh, now, a question on yeah, that. Yeah. Do you actually go back to your labels in the, to find things in the, in, that you need? Like, if you, do you ever go back and say, I want to see all the emails that David Sparks sent me last year, or do you just search for them? Because I found that searches become Absolutely. so robust Absolutely. That, 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 people, that my stuff just goes into the archive and if I need it, I do the search. Right. Right. Well, this gets into one of my favorite plugins, which is Other Inbox. Um, but in, in my case, I got to tell you, Katie, manually, we, we, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but man, mm-hmm. manually filed stuff, almost never look at it. That's totally residual muscle memory from the old days. Yes. So the search does work better. You know, automated stuff, though, no question. Um, the only stuff I manually tag and I'm really useful, glad to have is things like if I get a software license, for some reason, I still label that a software license. I then put it into one password. That's just what I do mm-hmm. now. But there are some things I do manually think do that with. But Other Inbox, for example, we should talk about that maybe a little bit. I don't know if we have time, but I, I rely on Other Inbox to take care of a lot of stuff for me. And in that, what it does is you identify mail from certain recipients, and they have a long list you can go through. So anything from Amazon automatically gets filed under shopping. Um, anything from State Farm automatically gets filed under insurance. So you can very quickly jump to everything you've gotten from that. Now, here's the killer feature in Other Inbox to me is it grocks that you just got an email from Amazon and it adds the day that it'll be delivered to your calendar. So you have another inbox calendar that shows you when, when stuff is going to get delivered to your house. I wish it could send it directly to my the deliveries app um, that I use, mm-hmm. but stuff like that is, is terrific. Now, you can overdo that. If you accidentally, and then here's the other thing. Um, if you add somebody's email to that folder for other inbox, from then on, it will get filed under there automatically. So think about that for a second. Like if you've got a case and you're, you know, you don't have to go in and create a custom filter for that or a custom rule. Do you follow? Yeah. Other inbox will do that for you. So some people are a little, I understandably sketchy about OAuthing their way into all of these apps. I, I get that, but that's my second most useful plugin, but it's, it's a good one. Well, I mean, Does it make sense? Yeah. And Gmail in general, like the server side rules are amazing. And you compare that to what you get with an iCloud account. And it's abysmal. I mean, I mean, well, and for me, that filtering. I mean, the, I, when I first heard about the important inbox being who I am, I rolled my eyes and went, "Oh, great, just what I need." Like more of this nonsense. But it has worked so well for me. And uh, so, for folks who don't know, using a series of, of different—I don't want to say algorithms. John Sirkisa would yell at me, but using a series of, of little uh, guesses, let's say, it can go. Okay, well, this email is from somebody that you get a lot of email from, but more importantly, that you respond to a lot, right? Uh, this email over here is from somebody you've never met, but it contains the kinds of words 
or length or whatever, whatever the secret sauce is, but we're pretty sure this is important. And so that goes into your important inbox. And in my case, you can set important as your real inbox. I don't go in and see 5,000 emails when I log in. I go in and I see like the, the important inbox. Um, and then if you, if you say, hmm, you know what? Actually, that wasn't important. You click the little thing or you can have the key command for that. And it unimportants it. I think it's plus or minus, shift plus or shift mi- uh, minus or shift equals. Anyway, again, it's all in my fingers. But it learns from that. And it goes, oh, okay, well, stuff from strangers with those words, I will now not count as important as much. Yeah. And if you only have a second to fly into there, like that's, it, it's just so great. And then on top of that, this thing that I use in Swearby is called a wayfind. And a wayfind lets you set, again, you OAuth your way in or whatever you call it. And you say, okay, from now on, when I get stuff, from Scott Simpson, push a notification to my phone. I would never in a million years have the ding on for email. I just, I don't get notifications for email ever, unless a couple of conditions. It's one of these 11 people that I never want to miss an email from, right? So Market MailChimp, I want to know that. Dan Benjamin, I want to know that. Sends me a lot of email, really weird email, but I I get get a ding on my phone. Um, You can select how you, you could say, for example, let's say you got a job or you got a travel thing coming up. You could say, any sub, any, anything matching this subject for the next N days, notify me in the following way, which for me is almost always pushed to iPhone. Could be an SMS, could be a phone call, but you can have that contact you when that comes in. From now on, for the next week, anytime I get email from this person, push, push a notification to my iPhone. And so now you're in control of when you find out about things you need to know. And if you, if there's like your, your partner, you put your partner's email in there and you will never worry that you've missed an email from that person. How about this? Your boss, put your boss's email in there and you never have to sit there in your inbox like a jerk waiting to find out if, if you're going to get yelled at for something. So a way find it's, it's really, it's really terrific. It's a, it's a pay service. You can get by so many notifications a month, you get some free, but uh, between important inbox and Gmail and a way find, I just, I can't imagine ever going back to like sitting there you know, with my bare hands trying to figure out what I have to do today. Yeah, it definitely gives you more granular control going through a Gmail than traditional, you know, uh, IMAP server. I mean, there's just so much you can do with the existence of this always-on internet. Well, driver. you know, there's a, there's a bigger pattern here that I, I don't mean to sound so partisan about this, but there's a much bigger pattern here, I think, which is um, – I still have this terrible habit, I have to admit, of sometimes writing people very long emails. If I get in the office and I just have my ADD medicine, I will sometimes write really long emails about something that doesn't need to be long. But by and large, I know this with you, David. I think I know this with you, Katie. Um, I know this is true with people like Jeff Veen. They are very – people who are very into the one-sentence or two-sentence email. Do you know what I mean? Like, didn't you evolve, though, from the point of writing an epistle – you know, St. St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. Didn't you come a long way from the early days of writing a letter via electronic mail to sending a little, you know what I mean? That you evolved in that. And, and that's, and that's where I think like, if you find these improvement opportunities, it's worth looking at. Now, if your tool works for you, you should stick with it. But you know, again, I mean, if mail app, the app is going to go in the same direction and you need all those plugins, like I could live without a wayfind. It's just that it makes my life easier. Also, Google Labs, I have to say, there's a lot under there. But, you know, this is, you guys, this is, this is the whole point of the workflow thing, in my mind, is learning to detect friction and then removing it as efficiently as you can. Well, well I got to say, personally, I'm, I'm having trouble with email lately because it's getting to be too much for me. And I'm wondering if maybe I need to 
go look at some other options. But I'm a little, you know, I'm a little creeped out by Google. I've said that before. Well, I am too. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, and that's why you guys get rid of your feed burner feed, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I kid because it's, I kid because I love. Or, 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 but you know, same thing with reader. You know, everything. Dude, so I, I totally, to I totally agree. It's yeah. real, real creepy. And then you start relying on. Here's one distinction. Um, and I hope this doesn't sound like a, a my usual judgy thing, like I've done for the last four hours. But I, I think um, Gmail is very focused on processing email very quickly, and that has come to mean a lot to me. And I gotta be honest to you, uh, honest with you. Sometimes that processing means select everything on this page except for this message and archive it. I'm sorry, I'm a bad person, but like that's where I am right now. Is I can't, I can't let my day be decided by by who needs stuff from me unless I I, I can accept that. And you know, this is something that comes up on back to work a lot. Is and it sounds so bananas. Well, evolve. Like get ready for the rest of your life having increasing expectations of not simply the use of your time and attention, but how quickly you need to apply that time and attention. You're going to start bumming out more people than ever, like year over year over year, because they have the old expectation of it's important to them. And if you don't get the new, if you don't reset your new expectation of like, I take the serious stuff seriously, but I can't do it all. I just feel like mail.app or or other kinds of apps like that. And again, if it works for you, that's great. But I feel like that in that app, I, I have to do so many things to get finished with email. And, and that's why I say, why, why these key commands? Well, it's not to learn nerdy stuff and be the, the, the weirdest kid at, in, at the hobby shop. It's to be able to get all the way through that stack as quickly as possible. And, and here's the thing. If you're finding that you're not dealing with a lot of those emails and you just need to move them away, I mean, do you remember when you used to use your mouse to copy and paste? Weren't you glad when you weren't learned command C? Yeah. I, that's not that's not that fancy. When I watch my family, we joked about this on Back to Work a couple weeks ago, but it's so brutally painful to watch your family go up and like first, of course, they double click on all the links, but but then they go up to the menu and they're reading it out loud, and you just want to go look. Command C, Command V. It's so fast. So Is that hard. muscle memory? Command C, Command V. Yeah. For you guys, well, that that's that's where I am with Gmail. And that's why I can never imagine going back to, to, to the clicky stuff. Well, that, that's what got me on this, is you, you did this episode 70, Expectation Zero. And I, I, that came at the perfect time for me, because I'm dealing with this new, you know, this Max Sparky Field Guide brand, and I'm getting all this email related. Terrific, terrific book, by the way, man. Thanks, thanks. Gor- and gorgeous. Thanks. Such, you're such a perfect match for you. Yeah. It is. I feel really like I'm home finally. I think you found. I think you may have found your medium. I mean, I love the podcast, but if for the written stuff, I think you may be utilizing that. I bet you're u- utilizing that better than eighty percent of anybody who's touching it. Well, I guess we'll see. But I, I, I really enjoy the process, and I like it, and I get all this great email. But the thing is, I'm sitting there, my daughter's playing Legos, and I've got. I could spend two or three hours answering emails, and my daughter's playing Legos, and I'm listening to you on this expectation zero, and I'm like, okay, that's enough. I've got to figure out a new way about this. I cannot answer every email, and I've got to automate this more. And that's why I'm really seriously considering uh, playing in Gmail for a while. Because well, it's, it'll definitely it's it's like Marco was telling me. Like I, I really like Instacast, and he really likes this one called Downcast. And he's, he's <laughs> like, this is gonna. He's like, I, I used to use Instacast. Like it's gonna drive you crazy to use this. But I, he's like, delete or move Instacast to where you'll never see it, and just use Downcast 
for a week. And I, I get downcast. It's the, like the Emacs of podcatchers. But it was, you know what? It was too much for me. And even with it on my homepage, I had to move it away. But that's what it would take for you to see if this Gmail stuff will work for you. I would say first, if you're going to try the Gmail thing, and I, you know, I don't know if you're being straight up about that, but if you're going to try it, start by just learning JK, bracket, bracket, R for reply, A for reply all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, you fly through it so fast. But, but I have to say, David, like that, that, that has become such a value for me. And it's the funniest lizard brain thing. And, and it sounds like you listen to the show, so I'll refer to the show. Um, we like to think of ourselves as being a certain way. I think of myself as a you know, hypothetical I. Somebody goes, oh, you know, I'm great at everything. I could never in a million years not return all these emails. I could, you know, that's how you start thinking of yourself. You've set an expectation of yourself that you're that kind of person. How could you not be stressed out when other people's expectations of you start exceeding that as far as you know? And then what happens when they start exceeding that in ways you don't even know? I don't know how you beat that except to say I'm going to have to be okay with understanding that there will be people I disappoint. The important part is to not disappoint the people I never want to disappoint. I have no idea how you do that without accepting that scarcity. And yet I sound like the dumb hippie when I say that, but – you're, you can accept that now, or you can accept it later, or you can die of a heart attack in your 30s. No, I'm, <laughs> I just I'm don't living know. It. I'm living because I'm trying to but, deal with that right now. But you, and you, you went well, and I think yeah, maybe you need to figure out what is sucking the time. Is it the fact that you can't deal with the overwhelming amount in the inbox, and is it that you need to filter and figure out what's going on with them more? I don't, or is it I don't just know that if you I don't know if I apply to everything. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't. I don't. I th- no? you, well, I mean, you you certainly can figure out where your time is going, but you already know where your time is going. That's the problem. It's, it's already, not with you, but I think most people already realize, they go, oh, I have to do email all day long, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but I mean, I, I think the problem is that people already know, if they were really to just stop for a second, okay, well, well why, why are you in the inbox so much today? Well, because I have to do my email. Well, why do you, do the seven, do the seven steps, right? Um, what do they call that? You know what I'm talking about? That exercise where you, where you do, you keep asking why seven times. You ever heard of that? No. I think they call it the, the, the why ladder or the seven whys or the five whys. Okay, I'm stressed out. Why are you stressed out? I'm um, stressed out because I have all this email. Okay, why do you have all this email? Uh, because we're in an email-intensive organization and lots of stuff gets sent. Okay, well, why is lots of stuff getting sent that way? Because that's the culture of the company. Okay, <laughs> why is that okay with you? And if you get to a point where you, you will eventually get to the point where you've answered your question – but you have to go pretty deep into that stack. And I agree, I, you know you know me, Katie, I'm the time and attention guy, right? But I, I think, I think the, the, the deeper problem is that when we think we're smart, we think we understand a lot, and we think that we're doing as well as we can a lot of the time. But the hard part is not understanding it. The hard part is doing something about it. M- most, peop- most people would agree that they should, quote, unquote, spend more time with their kids. The question becomes, what did you give up to spend more time with your kids? Because you can't spend more time with your kids and spend more time with your email and spend more time with your Rotary Club and spend more time on Facebook. That's not fancy. That's just like how it works. And if it, and David, we, if I may say, not to go too personal, but like a few months ago, we had several conversations about – because we have a regular you know, man call. Yeah. And uh, we were both in, in a situation at kind of at different times where we were – stuck with this like in your case you had you were you had that embarrassment of riches you had so many great projects that you love doing plus work and but you know what i mean you were you were you were butt deep in the book and you know but there's a point where you reach that and i don't i don't know how you get away from having to shed something which is so hard but when you're stressed out like if you're stressed out don't you kind of know why you're stressed out do you ever have do you ever feel stressed out and you have absolutely no idea why you're stressed out 
Because I think most people have a pretty, if they stop for a second, they have a pretty good idea why they're stressed out. Yeah. And the reason they're stressed out is that whether it's other people or themselves, there are there is the feeling, A, that there's more than can be done, and more importantly, perhaps, B, that that's inescapable. That's stress. Stress is cognitive dissonance. And stress is, I've reached the point where there are so many immovable objects that exceed the amount of space I have on my table. I mean, you, how do you live with an impossibility? And so that, that to me is where like, I have to make my peace with not answering every email that I get. I try to read as much of it as I can, but look at Dan. I mean, like on the last episode, the, I, you know, it's a pretty, that was a pretty good episode, but Dan talked about getting 300 emails a day and missing one from his cousin. And then that put, put a strain on their relationship. So what do you do? Do you go through now and say it's going to have to be okay for me to process 300 emails as if it's from my, my cousin? That's, that's monkey balls. Like, yeah. You would lose your mind. Yeah. And for me, my big hang-up is the way I'm hooked up is it's really hard for me to say no to stuff. I mean, it's really hard. And I'm still struggling with it, you know? I totally I, agree. I just told Wiley no on a project. I mean, a publisher wanted me to do a project. I told him no. And it, like, I had to like screw myself up for it. And uh, so that's that's just weird, and, and I don't know. It's just the way I am. So that's why the stuff. That's I think that's why you resonate with me so much because I feel like uh, you you give me the punch in the face I need. <laughs> I, I used to say this a lot, and I still say it sometimes. But if you don't leave a little bit of capacity, if you don't leave a little bit of space in your box, you start getting problems. That sounds so crazy to most people. That's like most people go like, "I really should get more sleep," and I'm like, "No, you should really, really, really get more sleep." Yeah, I know. I should get more sleep. Okay, but seriously, you should, you really need to get more sleep. Like, have you ever met people like this? And yeah. they're like, they're walking around, they're zombies, they can't think. And of course, they sit and look at Facebook all day long, their brain's not functioning anymore. Do they get more sleep? No, because they haven't given up other things to get more sleep. Oh, that's fancy. Dude, if you don't sleep and eat regularly, you're going you're gonna to become an insane person who's really ill a lot of the time, right? Um, in this instance, oh, gosh, I have so much work. I have more work than I can ever do. Well, you need to get rid of some of that. I can't. Okay, well, then you're always going to be unhappy and you're never going to have room for the next cool thing. And the, next and the cool work thing, you're doing is going to suck. It's going to suck. And now, so let's say you get the next cool thing. Now that just happens to be on top of the stack for a day or two. So what do you do? Will you do a half-assed job on all of it? How If your dream project comes along, do you have 3% capacity to even consider it? Or are you so stressed out because of what you quote-unquote have to do that the opportunity of a lifetime goes out the window because you were stressed out and didn't have time for it? Yeah. That's hell. Hey, let's get back to some nerdy um, workflow stuff. Please. Um, if this, then that. This is this web service where you can put in rules, and it does all kinds of cool things. Mm-hmm. And I know you use it. Mm-hmm. I played with it. I can't seem to, you know, like I had it set up, and every day it would tell me the weather, but it would send me a text message at like 6 a.m., and, and <laughs> right, my wife right, got right. really pissed at me, and eventually I took that off. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's a great service, but I just have never really found a good use for it. Yeah, so I'm if to just my perfunctory understanding is that it's it's if you've ever used anything like Yahoo Pipes, yeah, right. For example, here's a, here's a rudimentary example. You know, they have these things called APIs, right? There's ways that computers can talk to each other. There's a way that most people use APIs every day and don't realize it, which is their Twitter client. It means that the application, that, and I'm, I'm sorry to overexplain this to you guys, but you know, it's worth knowing even with my rudimentary understanding. Your Twitter app has the ability to send information 
to Twitter and receive information from Twitter. It's a simple pipe, if you like. Not yeah. even, even not in the Unix sense. I mean, they call it a pipe for a reason. But um, there's all kinds of things that can hook together that you may not be aware of. There's all kinds of things you can do with Dropbox once you've authorized it. And again, authorization would be another example of this. You say, okay, from now on, this, this uh, plugin called a Wayfind is allowed to do these things with my Gmail. Um, you know, from now on, Instagram works this way with the, the, this kind of thing. So yes, the way a lot of people use this, the, to me, one of the least interesting ways is to say, uh, send me the weather every morning. And so you snap two pieces together. If this, then that is just what it sounds like. If this event happens, then do that, right? So if uh, it's 5 a.m., then send me a text with today's weather. I had that one for a while and got rid of it. I moved to a different one. I, I'm not actually using it right now, but there was a cool one I had called, uh, what did I call it? But basically it's called, uh, I copied this from somebody else. Let me know if it's going to rain. Like, will I need an umbrella? And so as soon as there's anything in the 94116, don't be creepy, uh, area, uh, zip code where rain might be coming, it sends me a text and says, grab an umbrella. Yeah. I have a similar one if it's going to be over 100 degrees because down here it gets that hot. <laughs> of course. So th- those kinds of things are, are, are pretty terrific. Um, if you use Google Reader, a lot of people like to read like design blogs or let's say you're trying to figure out how to remodel your kitchen. If you star a post, it can automatically download that image to a folder. Um, if you, you can email files to Dropbox, any, ta- any, any photograph where someone tags me on Facebook or Instagram, automatically download. Um, <clears throat> if you use torrents, you can send torrents to something, but I wouldn't use torrents. Um, Basically, and, and so what you do is you go in, uh, as we said uh, before the show, uh, David, I don't use this for that much overt stuff where I want something to happen, but I use it a lot for a la Gmail and filtering. I let it do stuff for me, right? So this is such a key thing in productivity is like, if it's something I don't need to know about for a while, I don't want to see it. So I set a start date for that in OmniFocus. And in this instance, if there are actions where I don't want to have to monitor that, but I, but I want something to happen. Like, let me know. Yeah, well, give you me know an example. Mean? Give me an example. Because like the stuff they've got on their websites, like thank someone in Twitter every time they mention you. I am not going to do that. You know, well, uh, here's the best way to, to think about it: is if you go to the homepage and it's ifttt. Um, dot com. And if you go to the homepage, you basically you see the big box of Legos. You'll see all of these. So you got Google Calendar, Instapaper, um, your phone number, Pinboard. So, I mean, you could, anything, pretty much any way you could snap those together, you can make whatever you want. You can use Boxcar. So you could say, for example, if you want to roll your own, you could say, anytime I get an email that matches this subject line, push it to Boxcar. Maybe that's how you like to roll. Anytime um, that thus and such appears in my RSS feed, automatically send it to Instapaper. Anytime Instapaper has this kind of thing, send it to that place. Um, and then again, like I say, I'll, this, uh, I've been playing around a little bit with this pocket, you know, get pocket. Yeah. You could say, for example, I think you could do stuff like anytime I favorite a video, send it to pocket. Like, so what are you doing? You're taking out at least one step. Anytime something's posted to Vimeo with my name in it, I'm, I, I don't know all of these, but I'm trying to come up with a couple. Anytime I, I would never do this personally in a million years. Anytime I star something in Reader, automatically post it to my Tumblr. So it's little bits of functional spackle. Uh, for anything that you do, like if you're term. not comfortable, if you're not comfortable with YouTube automatically posting everything you favorite, well, you can monitor your YouTube channel yourself, and and you could say like, I think you can do stuff like whenever I star something on YouTube, add it to Pocket for me. So it's with between email, RSS, um, oh yeah, and any feed, you can monitor feeds. So if anything ever appears in this feed, let me know about it. 
So you don't have to sit there and, and, and ego surf and reader all day long. Um, but I'll tell you the killer one is Dropbox. There are so many interesting apps today that you can hook up with Dropbox. And you might want to say if you, if you use Instagram, which a lot of people do, anytime somebody tags, puts me in a photo, automatically download it. Ditto Facebook, ditto Flickr. If there's ever a Flickr tag that has uh, Jean Grey in it, automatically download it to Dropbox, which I haven't thought about that, but that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> okay. And also you can yeah. set for certain times. Like if it's a certain time, do this thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And then you can combine that with Hazel on your Mac because once you get it in Dropbox, you basically got it on your Mac. If you've got a Mac running, combine it with Hazel and you can do all kinds of things too. Yeah, I mean... So I'm, if I'm, the, then that is kind of like your, your Hazel for the, the web. Maybe. I'm still figuring out so much of the stuff. I mean, in order to... You know, i got to tell you, in order to use to really get Hazel, it also helps to really get just met- metadata in general. And stuff like... Right. I guess you, I'm sure you guys know this, but you know if you download a file from somewhere it knows the domain of where it came from. Yeah. So, I mean, if you, if you've downloaded stuff from, I'm trying to think of a good example, but from Tumblr, it could, I'm trying to think of functional examples of this that aren't illegal, but, but if they're, well, well, like we do this with our, with our bills, you know, you download a bill from AT&T and it grabs it and files. Oh, smart. That's really, that's really cool. Oh, and just, I mean, just, just so you know, I mean, if you're interested in if this, then that, and you may not be, I think the best way to explore is to go into the recipes section. And, it, and you can sort of say, okay, show me the hottest or the most popular. But the key part on that page is to hit that filter button. So I would start by saying, okay, of all these things, Google Reader, Gmail, phone call, what are the things I'm most excited about? So you could say, oh, you know what? Uh, I use Twitter a lot. So just show me stuff where it sends stuff to Twitter or just show me stuff where it pulls stuff from Twitter. And you'll quickly get an idea what might be useful for you. Um, you know, it's it's so nice to automate something that you don't want to have to think about. And, and that's where I think it's handy. Well, that's how we have these fancy computers, right? To do this yeah, stuff. Theoretically, yeah. <laughs> Thank everybody when they retweet you. That's just pathetic. I'm sorry. That's isn't that is that a, isn't that kind of needy? Isn't that kind of weird? You think? Auto, do you think automating gratitude is a good idea? <laughs> Have you ever been happy when a robot voice thanks you for your patience? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's easy enough. Oh, maybe they'll have an extra where you can thank them and then you can follow them back. <laughs> have you ever gotten that though, you guys? I think they have that. I'm not kidding. Oh yeah, how about vacation messages? Have you ever had dueling vacation messages? Yeah. Oh, ping pong. Have you seen that happen though? Where yeah. like they get yours and oh you get gosh, theirs and it just keeps going over the net for the month of July. Yeah, that's awesome. I actually like that. I think that's amazing. Just fill up the box. Pretty soon the machines wait, wait, won't need us at all. I mean, they'll get their, they'll get the gas for the surfaces like right out of the ground. I mean, we'll just be like sitting in jello, like in the matrix. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I do like if this, then that I'm going to start playing with this some more. I, yeah. I, I, I think that what turned me off is really their, their recommended recipes because none of them look like anything I'd want to do. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. No, it's, it, it is true. But I mean, here's the word to think about trigger. Yeah. Right. So you love Hazel. If you like Hazel, Think about if this and that as Hazel for web services. Yeah. So, I mean, in the same way that you could probably use Hazel to do lots of dumb stuff, um, it, it, this is, this is I have to say, though, this is even simpler than Hazel. Like, once you open this up and look at it, I'm not trying to evangelize for this, it's just you asked about it, yeah. but there, some of the recipes are pretty great. And, and as a Dropbox nerd, you might want to go in and, uh, and just see what you can do with Dropbox. Um, and it's so interesting. There's so many iOS apps now that utilize Dropbox in interesting ways. And, and what's cool also, and if this and that, if you, if you make a Dropbox rule where something goes to Dropbox, you get to pick the path. 
which I think usually defaults to like slash apps, but you can go, you can do some pretty neat stuff with that if you think about it. So think about your Hazel, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if if you said every time this and such thing happens on, so let's say every time I'm, uh, I'm f- tagged in a Flickr photo, automatically downloaded to slash IFTTT slash Flickr, and then you could have, Hazel pick up the back end and watch it. that and yeah. bring it into and iPhoto it into with a tag of Flickr or whatever. I mean, that's just a, that's one example, but yeah. yeah. So, you know, now people are going to go on Flickr and tag you in all kinds of wacky things so that it imports into your iPhoto library. Do people use Flickr now? I think they do. Man, I just got re-upped automatically. I couldn't see ch- pictures of my kid until I paid to get back in. I got to get off that thing. They fired too many smart people. Cut that out. So anyway, yeah, computers are really cool. Um, I've got a computer. Um, learning to use it. I got a mouse. I double click my links. What, what do you think about now? Since we last spoke, I believe we've got the Mac App Store, and as a result, we can now get these little two and three dollar apps that do nice utility type things. Uh, are you are you into that? I, I can't stop downloading these things. Yeah, I, I have to admit, I was. A, well, you know, I was cracking wise about updating apps on the iPhone, which I, I still think is very silly. Like, you know, you'll, you'll have to update eventually. I kind of wish – there's a way I may roll back to the old version of Reader because the new one makes me so crazy. R-E-E-D-E-R for iOS, which until last week was my favorite <laughs> RSS reader. The new version is killing me. Um, but I really like the automation part. You know, I really – I have to – if I've got the option now, I don't know if this is so great for the developers – but uh, I frequently will buy it on the App Store just because now it's available on all my machines. Yeah. You know, iTunes Match, I was hard I on the App Store. I love it. Yeah, I was hard on the uh, iTunes Match, same way at first. But I love that now I'm here on my desktop and if I want to buy something for my iPhone, like I can, you know, or like I want, you know what I mean? I can go in and buy whatever I want and then it just shows up. I turn my phone on, it's already right there. Yeah. Which is so crazy. Um, and I, think I, this I really, that part of the simplicity, I really, I really do like. I just I think that as people get more of these devices and crave more of this stuff and push more of their content around, bigger content, right? Those two hundred fifty six K files are giant. You drop one monk album on there and you're gonna see that orange get <laughs> big really fast. Well well and you know, the thing about iTunes matches it's not simple. It really isn't. I mean it takes you have to figure it out. It doesn't just it's not that intuitive. Can I, can I tell you what I think is the single most mind blowing? Did we talk about this last time? No, because iTunes Match was not out last time, correct? Yeah. You're talking yeah. about the setting? You go, you go into settings. Have we talked about this? <laughs> you you go into settings. No, we haven't. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So you go into settings. Yes, we did talk about it in that little silly lounge. You go to settings, you click on music. And there's lots of harmless looking things. Shake the shuffle, sure, that sounds fun. Sound check, that'll make it sound good. Hmm, iTunes match. I'm gonna click that off. I don't think I need that. Whoa! It's happened? one. It's one. Um, what would you call it? Well, I don't know what to call it in iOS, slider. but uh, radio button. Yeah. It's yeah, a slider. It's like one switch. If you hit that while you're on the plane, you will not have music on your trip. Bye bye. (laughs) You know, I've been so tempted to go back to tethered syncing. I have gone back to tethered syncing. Is that right? I can't. The the thing that screws me up with iTunes Match is I have a lot of smart playlists. Love it. And smart playlists do not sync correctly over iTunes, or at least for me. Well, smart playlists, well, the thing is, and Genius does not work unless, unless. 
Genius stopped working for me after I quit downloading everything. I, lo- I used to love Genius. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, it, but if I do that on any of my boxes now, it goes blah, 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 we can't do this. I think it only works if you've got all your music locally. I don't know if that's correct. But I'm with, I'm, I'm with Katie. And the smart playlist, we should just do a whole show on smart things. I love smart playlists. I've got some killer smart playlists, especially, you know what? When I finally got comfortable with iMatch or iTunes Match was only after I made four or five smart playlists that gave me confidence. Yeah. Right. Show me everything that I know is safe in the cloud. Right. Show me everything that exists only locally. Show me everything that exists in the cloud and is over this many megs. Because you get that dreaded pop up. You wake up one morning <laughs> and you get that dreaded pop up. Your startup disk is almost full. No. <laughs> and I jump straight into Daisy Disk or I jump straight into iTunes and I just start deleting. And so, you know what I mean? It's like, it's really good for me to know that I can literally go to one smart playlist, select all and delete and know that I won't lose it. Yeah. To me, the, this, the playlists are what really make iTunes and the cloud work. for me. I still, I still can't believe we're getting away with the whole, like whatever music you drop in matches. I, that I can, I, whoever, I, I would not be surprised if that goes away. I just can't in a million years. I can't imagine that that works. Yeah. Like if you've got, if you've got a copy of uh, uh, you know a music album, 128k or higher. You get something that fell off the back of a truck and you drop it into iTunes. It's on all your devices now. When you're a lawyer, one of the things you learn that you know really good <laughs> deals are usually made after like 7 p.m. when you've been at it all day. <laughs> and just part of me just knows that the record executive like hadn't ate lunch and it was like 7:30, 8 o'clock. <laughs> it's like oh, okay, all right. Let me let me understand this correctly. Anybody who's got a copy of any record gets to have it everywhere for free. Am I understanding that's twenty five dollars a year? <laughs> yeah, no, we're going to go right. for a steak in an hour, so let's yep. just say yes. That's right, Colonel. If you want to be able to go watch the dog whisper and take a bath, we need to get out of here now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that I do love. But then again, like I said, just to go back to the the whining from before, but it is a little crazy to me now. That simplicity, that part of the simplicity, I love. Right, I've got it set to automatically download it. You know. Here, here and there. Oh my God. And having a kid, oh my gosh, like the ability to like not have to have um, every Clone Wars episode on there or like have every SpongeBob, like to be able to go grab six of these. And I, really, it does pay to do it before you get to the airport. But if you're going to hop on a plane with a really long ride, don't act like you don't give your kid the iPad, people. You give your kid the iPad. You're not fooling anybody. <laughs> Everybody's so much happier on a long car ride. You know what I mean? If she can watch Adventure Time or something. Yeah. See, when, it's so my amazing. Kids are so old, I had to just give them, like, you know, Benadryl. No. <laughs> you know, I miss Benadryl. Yeah. You, you know what I heard? Here's a good trick. You know how the, the YouTube site is, is so much cooler and more fun to use than the iOS app? Yeah. Do, do you agree? I mean, is that, is that just me? I think it's messy, but I can't get the iOS app to work all you the time. You know what you do? This is a great trick. I forget where I learned this. You uh, jump into uh, restrictions. And flip on restrictions for the YouTube app, and it'll always take you to the website. Okay, that's a, ha- that's a that's what they call a life hack. All right. Also, you should get a hammock and sleep in it for four hours a week. I like that's that. a different show. That's probably a different show, though, right? Yeah. Well, that gives you the extra time to make big decisions. Well, you, you need to design your lifestyle, which you mostly do by sending things to people in India. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Have we talked for two hours? Yeah. We, oh we, man! Good, you gonna, no, not quite. You gonna split it up? Not quite. No way. 
No, no people no. are so mad. We'll, we'll, so we'll mad. only make one guy unhappy. I'm on food's a mission. Ter- to food's away. terrible. Food's terrible, and the portions are large. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm on a mission to chase away everybody who wants short episodes. That's a pretty good place to stop. Well, you know what? If you haven't yet, and you're listening to the show, please go listen to Back to Work. I find it very helpful, as well as everything else Merlin does. Merlinman.com <laughs> is the place. And uh, thanks again, Merlin, for coming out and being on the third edition of the legendary Merlin Man Workflow Show. <laughs> I, you know, thank you for having me. And once again, I'm, I really thought I would be calmer today. You got me started on that Apple stuff, or I got me started. No, it's good. I like yeah. it. I like it when you get They've going. got a couple good bits, but I really enjoy what you guys do a lot. I'm, I'm super happy that you're doing it with 5x5. I hope that's working out for you. We love um, it. I'm, we really, love I'm really proud of, of what we all get to do um, with, there. I mean, I feel like I, I get to be in a really cool green room, um, every week and it's, it's an honor to, uh, be doing this stuff. And, and seriously, thanks. Thanks for listening. I appreciate you having me on very much. Anytime, anytime. I mean, once a year is probably plenty though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I think we have survived <laughs> another episode with Merlin Mann. These are always so great to do. I, you know, once a year, I, I wish sometimes they were more frequent, but I, I think this is, this is just the right dose for our, our, our listeners. They love having Merlin back. So thank you so much to Merlin for, for joining us. It's a pleasure as always. Sometimes I get emails from people saying that, you know, I'm just, I'm just, just, just too, you know, gaga over Merlin. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I think the guy is awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so it's really uh, nice of him to come through and be on the show for a third time talk about some great workflow ideas. He's going to have me looking at my context in OmniFocus very seriously. We'll have to see where it, where it leads. And like maybe another screencast? Uh, maybe. I don't know. You know, in some sense, I get where he's coming from. Another sense, using reminders still works for me for some of this stuff too. So we'll see. I'm going to play with it and report back. Okay. But we did get a bunch more from Merlin right after we finished the show, and we're going to put it in After Dark. So if you enjoyed this, listen for uh, some more gab. Yeah, and if you like the After Darks, we're going to try to do them a little more often. Uh, go to the 5x5 website, 5x5.tv slash MPU. And if you look over on the, uh, I guess, the right-hand side of the of the screen, you'll see that there's now a specialized RSS feed that you can use to subscribe to the show and get both our regular episodes and the After Dark feed all in one show. Now, that's not available directly in iTunes, so if you search in the iTunes store, you'll just find the regular show feeds. But it's one of those things that if you right-click and you save the link, you can go into iTunes and click Advanced and Subscribe, and you can subscribe directly to that, and you'll get uh, one feed that has MPU plus just the MPU after dark. So check that out for sure. Yeah. So, Katie, how do you find us? Well, uh, I think you've probably written a book in terms of show notes for this episode, uh, but you can find all of those over at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. You can also send an email to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or we're on Twitter. The show's at Mac Power Users. I'm Katie Floyd, and David is at Mac Sparky. Hey, thanks for the iTunes comments, everybody. Uh, the show's continuing to do great, and your feedback really helps. Yeah. Uh, we want to thank, once again, our exclusive sponsor, Smile Software, for this episode. Uh, you can find all of the wonderful things that they make over at smilesoftware.com. And go to smilesoftware.com slash MPU and check out the deal that they've got for you with $15 off. Uh, PDF pen and then run over to the app store and pick up PDF pen for iPad. And that's only available on their website at smilesoftware.com slash MPU for that special deal. 
And now's your chance to jump on it. Yeah, go get it. And uh, what, are we going to tell them what we're doing next? This one was kind of a secret. Are we going to keep secrets still? No, I think the next show will be fun. I've hinted at this through some of our workflow interviews, but I think the Mac App Store, despite you know some of the problems we're having with it, uh, is really super. And there's all these great apps for $5 and less. Okay. And uh, we're going to do the $5 and less Mac show. And we're going to talk about Mac apps that are $5 or less in the Mac App Store. We want to make it easy for people to go buy them. And uh, we're just going to talk through some of our favorites. And if there's one you particularly like, let us know. Okay, sounds good. So the criteria is $5 or less and available in the Mac App Store. See you next week.